Wednesday, November the 22nd, 2023. Happy Thanksgiving as we are just a day out from the Thanksgiving holiday. Hope everyone has a great holiday and holiday week with your family and your friends and your loved ones. We have a fun show set up for you. We have some Thanksgiving Day Best Bets. Barry Spears joins me. We each give out some of our best plays for Del Mar and for Woodbine. They are two of the tracks that are racing on Thanksgiving. Then I will get into NFL Week 12 game previews. I go through all games for NFL Week 12. I go by myself this week, and we preview, get you set up for everything for NFL Week 12. Then Friday, Woodbine, early pick five preview. Friday, Del Mar, best bets. I've got four of them for you on Del Mar's Friday card. And then we finish up with Chad Cooper this week in wrestling. Recap AEW Dynamite. We talk about the tournament happening there. We get into WWE with a preview for Survivor Series. And then we finish up with NXT. Want to just say thank you to everyone out there for tuning in to our shows on Thanksgiving. I'm very thankful for all of you who listen, who watch videos, uh, who are subscribed to our channels, and who are always commenting and interacting and uh, just being a big part of the show. Thanks so much for following along and tuning in. And I really appreciate each and every one of you. And I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving with your family. Let's get right into it. Thanksgiving Day Plays. Barry Spears joins me. Thursday, Woodbine Best Bets, and Thursday, Del Mar Best Bets. We actually start with Del Mar because Del Mar has an earlier post on Thursday. Woodbine has the later evening post. So Del Mar Best Bets, then Woodbine Best Bets with Barry Spears. The holiday season is upon us. It's time for those big sales. The Black Friday sale at DRF.com is up and running right now all the way through next Monday. So you have a chance all the way through Monday, the 27th, to get involved in this Black Friday sale. 20% off almost everything in the DRF shop. This is the biggest DRF sale ever. Past performances, handicapping products, Everything you can think of, all of the tools that you need, PPs, Formulator, Classic, Timeform, US Data, Clocker Reports, all of the tools that help you make money, all the tools to help you with your handicapping and your wagering. Make sure to use that promo code shop.drf.com. It is Thanksgiving week coming up, so for Thursday, we are so thankful for all of you out there that tune in, watch our shows, listen to myself and to Barry, who have been, uh, man, doing this together for a few years now in different ways, in different forms with different yeah, crews. Man. But I'm very thankful, right? I- I'm thankful for you, my friend. You uh, you have yeah. been uh, one of my very good friends. Uh, how everything going on your end? Yeah, hanging in there. Um, you know, just getting prepared for the next couple of days. You know, it's, it's going to slow down a little bit work-wise. And, you know, the, the races on, on Thursday are – are actually pretty good. They're always good. I, I have extremely good luck on Thanksgiving Day uh, with the races. So I, I kind of look forward to this, especially Del Mar. Um, you know, they always have good cards out there and the weather's always great. You know, there's not many scratches and, you know, everything's good. It's just, it's always good to be a horse player, I guess. It's fun to play with the, play the races with the family throughout the day. And they start the races early at Del Mar. First post is 11 o'clock 
uh, local time. So two o'clock PM Eastern time. And they actually have a carryover in the pick six also to add a little bit of intrigue, like $90,000 carried over into the pick six that starts in race number three. They're at the $1 pick six base wager. So the pool will be a, a nice one to shoot for. And Barry and I are going to take you through some of our best bets for Friday or for Thursday at Del Mar for Thanksgiving Day. Then we're also going to give you some of our best bets for Thursday at Woodbine because Thursday, Woodbine up in Canada, they race normal on Thursday. They've got a, their normal Thursday evening card. So you can roll from Del Mar right on into the racing from <laughs> Woodbine that starts at like 4.40 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, just take advantage of that Black Friday sale right now while you can if you're someone like myself and like Barry who like to use these past performances for drf.com that is what you need to do because you can take advantage right now and save a bunch of money in the sale you know you're going to be using the clocker reports you know you're going to be using the uh, formulator pp so purchase a big package right now save with that 20% discount and then later you know, if you're someone who plays all the big Gulfstream races that are going to start next month, if you're someone who knows that you're going to play Santa Anita or whenever Keeneland comes around, maybe you're a fan of Tampa. Barry, give us give Tampa some love as we get set up. They open up uh, tomorrow. You and I are recording on Tuesday, right? Yes, indeed. And I'm going to be out there uh, for opening day just as a patron. You know, me and my daughter are going to go out and hang out for the day and uh, see if we can catch a couple winners we've seen you on the broadcast at Tampa on some of their big days through the years. So good luck there. Uh, a lot of, a lot of great people over at Tampa that uh, starts with Jason beam calling the races. Really, really good guy. Great to hear his voice. So this Tampa will, uh, we'll take a look at them. Some of our videos coming up um, now through the next few months, but for the focus of this one, it's time to talk some Del Mar and it's time to talk Thursday and Barry is going to look at races four, seven, and eight. We're actually going to start with Del Mar because they will be racing earlier than Woodbine. Normally you'll have that Woodbine card start a, a few hours before, and then it'll be Del Mar, but not on Thursdays. They race with the evening post on Woodbine Thursdays. So for Del Mar, I'll start us off right off the bat, my man. I'm going to get us started with the price in race number one. Okay. Something that you don't want to look for in a friend, someone who is a little <laughs> sketchy, right? It's, it's not what you're necessarily looking for, sketchy. But maybe in this particular horse, I think sketchy has a little bit of a shot in here. Let me talk you all into this 12 to 1 shot in race number one. So he debuted on November the 2nd, and he actually had a fine start. It looked like they were making a decision. Do you want to go and try to kind of push the pace or should we take back? And they took him back and he was seventh inside. He ended up getting shuffled back to last. He was almost 10 lengths off, but he wanted to go. Then he had to move all the way around horses. Then he was waiting in traffic. Once he got out in the clear, he really started making up ground. So I, I checked the box of, I like the debut race. I thought he had some trouble. I thought it was sneaky good. We can take a look at his pedigree by just one click on DRF Formulator. Well, his damn relaxing green was a winner on the turf, was a multiple winner on the turf, and actually had pretty good success on the turf, was in the money in 11 career starts out of 18 races on the grass. So Dam showed some success on the grass. You look at some of the direct siblings. So for... Uh, relaxing green. There was actually a really good horse named Marley's freedom. Who was a grade one winner. This horse didn't try the grass, but just some class there. And then when you look at some of the other siblings, noble Charlotte was a turf winner. Um, you have cobble Hill who tried the turf a few times, but didn't have the success there. Airship was a turf winner. 
and crack your whip, another turf winner. So you see a lot of turf in this pedigree. So when I'm looking for courses like this who are lightly raced or first-time starters, I'm kind of going through my checklist. The race I thought was good. Check. The pedigree is good for this horse to be a, a solid grass horse. Check. Now for Sketchy, this barn with horses making their second start, Ellis just won with a horse that was 87 to 1. Second time out. So his numbers are just amazing. You can see it's like a 35, 56 ROI. So I know that that's a little inflated because of that one horse, but at least we know <laughs> that they can win and that they'll likely have their horses second time out show some improvement. So for me, Barry, I'm looking at a horse who pedigree checks the box. The race is better than I thought first time out. I think this horse can sit a little bit closer than the race, like the running line might suggest. And the barn is good with horses second time out. So I think this is a, a ripe spot for this horse to take a big step forward and improve. Honestly, after the seven, who's run some good races, especially that race behind Nisos, who looked like a freak the other day. Uh, after him, everyone else, you have a lot of question marks. First time starters, horses that really haven't shown much. I actually think that Sketchy can build quite a bit off of that. So I'm taking a swing here, Barry. 12 to 1 right off the bat on Thanksgiving Thursday. It's worth noting that uh, Sketchy was a January foal, which means he's going to turn Developer. three basically at the time he would turn three and everybody else's too. Yep. Um, that that might actually be a feather in his cap and he may be more developed than the rest of these horses and and have a, a little bit of an edge there. So he's uh, perhaps a little ahead with some of the others. Something to keep in mind here with Sketchy. 12 to 1 on the morning line. So that's my first swing at Del Mar on Thursday. Barry, I believe you're looking at race number four for your play, right? Yes, indeed. Talk race to us about the fourth. Where it's at. You know, it's my it's my specialty. The uh the the turf sprints. And this one shouldn't disappoint either because there there's plenty of speed in here. Um, you got horses like Haletic, um, who's going to show a lot of speed. And even the outside horse, um, Radical Right, will probably try to, to force the issue. Um, I'd have to think the six also, more tequila, is probably going to absolutely to kind of get into it early. Um, so I, I think this pace is going to be fair. That being said, uh, I went to number four, Moss Rapido. Nice. Same thing with me. I We're here together. The best closer. Yeah. I think he's the best closer in the race. Um, his, you know, he's getting a slight drop in class, which should make all the difference here. He came back running off the layoff. I mean, all the elements are there for this horse to run well. Whether he wins or not is another story, but, you know, this is where I want to put my money. He doesn't really have bad races on his page. Honestly, like you dive into him, he, he shows up every time. You know what you're going to get from him. I love that you get a little like a, a speed rider aboard for him. Also, I uh, can get him out of the gate and just kind of get him more forwardly placed in this spot. And, you know, you dive into some of the races, he exits where you have conclude who he was behind conclude has won three in a row, including the grade two Delmar Derby and a horse who's won four of the last five and is really, really sharp right now. Like no shame in losing to conclude. And I love the pattern like this. When horses like him, who are sharp horses, but could really be fit with this race now. He had a race in May, then he was off for a little bit. A race in July, he was off a little bit. 
Now he, he races in September. He comes back. I think he'll be a little bit sharper. Uh, Barry and I both on mass rapido five to one on the morning line. Just feels like a, a very fair price on a horse who should get a good trip in here, Barry. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, ideally, I would like him to be placed right behind Standing O and Haletic, yep. um, and and just wait till the stretch and just go right around those two because I, I just need him in front of Zofarelli, and I think we'll be fine. Yep, I completely agree. Uh, more tequila, probably pushing it too. Let's sit fourth with Mass Rapido, like right there behind those three horses, I'm and down. then. Right, get the jump on uh, on maybe Lovesick Blues, Zoffarelli, or any of these deeper closers who will come running late. We've got Mass Rapido. We are together in unison on the four in race number four on Thursday at Del Mar. So this is a good one to make sure you throw into your pick six sequence. Now we will move. I'm going to go to race number six, which is the grade three red carpet. Barry will help us out with races seven and eight. I'll also go... Uh, go with Barry to race number seven. So the sixth race, we already know that the seven love the Ryko is going to be out and just going to go in from the outside in looking at the running lines and the running styles. We have symphony. Perfect. Which is more of a deep closer. You have Niji Blanche who can show a little more tactical speed. I think she'll be in a pretty good spot here. She's probably a little faster than her last race would suggest. So I think she will, run well, even though it looks like she's kind of lost a step and she might have, this is not the strongest group in the world. So she's, she's a player, I think of the, of the shorter prices with love doesn't really have any early speed. Sister O'Toole has no early speed. Musical Rhapsody has no early speed and Oakhurst has no early speed. I, I talked about Linda's gift of two weeks ago, Barry, when we discussed um, Delmar racing and she ran really well that day. She actually had legitimate trouble. Uh, I want to watch the race here that we can pull up. So we're going to be watching Linda's gift. She was the one in the race that we're watching last time out. And I love when horses wheel back quickly, especially for a barn like Richard Mandela, who doesn't do it often. To me, that tells me that she's live and they want to get her back out on the track because they know she's feeling good. So she has a nice start. Number one, she just tracks from the inside and she's sitting just behind the leaders. But now you could tell she kind of wants to go and they just have a little bit of a hard time settling her down. See, you can see Tiago is kind of trying to get her to settle down. Yeah, she wants a to... little, little rank. Yep. <laughs> just up on the heels, but she's able to kind of settle behind. They do a good job. A lot of horses, it could be much worse than this where you just can't even get them to settle at all, but you could tell she wants to go for sure. And she's just traveling. Well, just has, no, has to wait behind horses right now and you can kind of see what's going to happen she just is going to fall into that really tough trip on the inside where she gets pinned in and she just doesn't have a chance till it's too late now the winner of this race is the five Dolce Zell who's moving up right on the outside of her so look at the difference with these two trips right now they both want to go Dolce Zell is just looming up doesn't have to worry about any type of traffic Whereas Linda's gift gets shuffled back. Linda's gift is having to wait. It looks like there's a little bit of an opening right there. Can she hit it? Nope. Cause it kind of closes like right when she tries and she's able to work her way through there. But you no, know, by the time she's able to get a seam, I think it's a little bit too late. And I thought it was a good effort from her, but the real key Barry is 
looking at this race with her running style, I think they're going to send her hard from the inside. I think she's going to be on the lead, and I think she's the one to catch in here. I totally agree with that assessment. They, I, I think they were kind of kicking themselves a little bit for not kind of forcing the issue last time. Yep. <laughs> to be honest. Absolutely. And, and it, it, yep. you know, like for a, a lot of that race, the horse didn't really do much running. So I see why they're coming back this quickly. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, this horse should get the run of the race. I, I, I'm desperately hoping this five to one holds up. Yeah, and if you're playing, you know, like a stable duel situation, she's a definite play at that price in your lineups. But I just think they're going to get aggressive with her. She's another one that you kind of just dive into her whole career. It was what I said last time. You toss the two races right before and right after the long layoff, and then everything else is pretty good, honestly. Um, she fits really well in here with the inside draw stretching out a little bit. Let's get aggressive with Linda's Gift, the number two who is five to one on the morning line. Okay. I think we both have one more in race number seven, my friend. Let's talk about this one mile dirt race. It's a first level allowance. The seven looks like Conceal and Carrie is out. Tell us who you're looking at in here. Yeah, this is a, this is a tough race, you know, and that's, that's kind of why I picked it because there, there's a, a couple races, you know, the card isn't like, you know, it's not a huge big day card where there's like 15 races. Um, this seventh race was very, very competitive. Um, it's one of those races that we see a lot of these horses all the time. These are like, you know, this is a horse players race, I think. Um, <clears throat> there seems to be a lot of speed in here. Liberal Lady on the outside has a ton of speed and will most certainly go. Yeah. Um, you have Henny's Crazy Train, who will probably need to be, be really close up, if not on the lead. Yeah. Uh, Professor's Pride is another one. And even the one, uh, Gila, should be up close to the pace to make this one real, real quick up front, which is fine yep. with me because I like we might be three. We might be in the Teen same lady. one again here. Teen <laughs> Lady, the three, is the horse. Okay, that, um, that's for you. Okay, we're we're looking at the same trip, but I'm going. you're going to go with three. I want you to talk about Keen Lady. I'm going to go with the six, Zayarat, who I, I'm hoping will get the off-the-pace trip. But tell us about the lady. Yeah, I, I, I thought Keen Lady was – pretty much the best closer in the race um and and even better that this horse doesn't need to be too far back in order to do it that's really is the key to me um completely agree you know that race on october 9th came back sort of running i mean you know comparable times and 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 you know uh, fractions and everything ran really well off the bench and i think that's going to springboard into a, a, another jump up here and you know Pace scenario wise, this this horse should get a very very good trip, unless something wacky happens, which is possible. You know, they all could take back and you get one lone speed for whatever reason. But I, I just think that that horse can outfinish, you know, clickish and and Zerot, those animals in this race. So uh, we're gonna go with the Keen Lady. We're looking at this race very very similar, and we've kind of isolated the same horses, right? This the one's going to show a little speed from the inside. The two's got to go. She's stretching out. She's really really quick. Four's got to go, no doubt about it. Uh, and the the eight's going to go. So that kind of left me with those three horses that you mentioned. I think you want to use the three. I think the five will probably get the trip, but you know, a horse that'll be a short price in here. I think we can look for horses that are a little bit more fun that might get the same sort of trip. And then right next door is Zerat, who will come closing. Zerat actually returns to the dirt. And what I like, if you look back, he actually won 
she won her career debut on the dirt going seven furlongs. And following that, they went into stakes races on the turf and they've been going long ever since. But she's actually capable of winning on the dirt from off the pace, the exact sort of trip that we're hoping for in here, coming from about five lengths off if they're going really quick early on. So let's hope that they go fast early and that we've got Keen Lady and Zierat lining up behind and they kind of can get the jump on Clickish or maybe Clickish gets kind of caught in a little bit of traffic because I think we have the right horses that'll get the right trips and it feels like we've we've picked out the ones that'll be a lot better priced than Clickish, Barry. Yeah, you know, we, we always want to go or defer to the longer price no matter what because there's there's just so much upside into doing that. <laughs> and and I guess people don't realize it until they lose betting a horse like Clickish that looks, you know, fairly decent on paper, but it's just, you know, short price. And it, and it's like, all right, well, that was cool. You know, a 520 winner. I'm going to go better. with the longer price because it, it, it's just a better, you know, is more upside to the, to your, your venture as a horse player in betting horses that will actually make you money. <laughs> Once you get that mindset, it'll really start helping you. And then you'll start just looking at horses and races differently. Overall, with uh, you know, I don't need that race, or I don't need to stack win percentage anymore. Let's try to get, let's try to get some money, and how can we make the most money? And in this race, we're both going to be looking for horses in that five, six to one range with Keen Lady and Zia Rat. So that does it for Thursday, Thanksgiving Thursday at oh, Del Mar. Wait, 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 we got one more. Oh, wait, wait, you got one race more. Eight. You got to close. Oh yeah, you got to close this out in race eight. I was getting a little ahead of ourselves. I was getting a little ahead of ourselves. Oh, this is this is this is the bailout. I mean, we got oh, to bail yeah, out, man. Bail out, Barry. Um, so eighth race, we've got a mile on the turf, right? Yes, sir. And and th- you know, this is a race that I, I, of all the ones that that we went over today, this one I like actually the best. Um, I like the eight Lamborghini. And hear me out. You look at this field. You know, you start with Big Rango- Rainbow, and they're all like, you know, the horses that have run have not been that great. Not at all. I mean, even even Asada Fries, who's going to be seven to five, has stamina issues. Fine. <laughs> it stops like, every fine. time. The, I, I I completely. This is the race where you're just looking for like a newish kind of face, someone doing something different, right? That kind of stand out because they all yeah. have run sort of similar, and this horse might just be better, might just be faster. Right, can maybe just sneak away with Maldonado from well, the outside. That's the thing. If you re- if you show the replay of of that race, they were stacked up six wide early, and this horse was five wide in that six. So, so he's the number is, seven, the seven in the race we're watching. And you can't really, you know, the way the race played out, you really can't hold this race against, you know, um, this horse because there was no way this horse wasn't going to get tired first time out going six wide, you know, across and the track. in between too, right? right. Wide it, and in between. It, it was just, it just spelled trouble from the get go. But honestly, this horse did not run that badly. And I think the stretch out will probably help this horse. Um, you know, the makeover package switching to the grass also, um, you know, I, I've picked horses like this of Doug O'Neill's before that won. And I think they, they do this a lot, especially with Maldonado when he gets to the lead. And and I think that's the situation that you're going to get uh, on Thursday with, with Lamborghini. 
Um, I, I think they're going to try to force the issue and go wire to wire as they should, because these horses that you, you're seeing in this race are, are not, not very good at all. And no, this they is haven't... one that they can steal. The ones that have run have not proven all that much, especially the horses at this level, distance, surface. You're looking for something new in here, and that's completely agree. Uh, the number eight, Lamborghini, a must-use to close out your pick six sequence on Thursday. Throw them in in all of your exotics here in race number eight, Thursday, Thanksgiving, November the 23rd, over at Del Mar. Don't forget every racing day at Del Mar. During the Bell, uh, the Delmar Bing Crosby meet, DRF.com has past performances, DRF picks, and clocker reports. You can take advantage of that Black Friday sale. Barry, I'm going to make the change from Delmar to Woodbine. Talk to us about uh, going in circles, Big Mondays, the website, everything that's going on on your end. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're just trying to ramp up our website, uh, Racing Hub, RCNGHub.com. Um, we're going to start doing some, some more stuff, have some guests on there writing and, you know, doing some more videos. We're going to change up things after the new year a little bit with the format of our show. Um, we're going to get some guests on and do some other things. Uh, so we got some things planned. So, so stay tuned for uh, the Big Monday show and then uh, – Head to our website, racinghub.com, man. Racinghub.com. Check everything out. Barry always loves talking sports with everyone. And uh, what what do you guys do for Thanksgiving? Do you have any, uh, like, a big family spread? Any big plans? Yeah, we actually go to uh, my father-in-law's house in Orlando um, for the day. And then we do Christmas at our house. So it should be fun. I, you know, we lived in Orlando for years. So going back there is always a good time. Um, seeing you know old friends and and our old neighborhood, so it, it's a little bittersweet, but it's it's cool. Well, hopefully everyone out there has a fantastic Thanksgiving with the family and your friends, and we'll try to send you a few winners at Del Mar and now at Woodbine. Remember, Woodbine races every Thursday, first post at four forty p.m. Eastern time. So a lot of you might be sitting down eating, watching some football, and you can play the Woodbine eight <laughs> race card on Thursday. It's perfect. Plenty of action, right? As Del Mar finishes up. So Barry, what could be I think better our, than, than eating and winning money. Nothing, nothing. Get all full on everything, <laughs> full wallets, full bank accounts, full bellies, clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. Right. Our old uh, Friday night lights. <laughs> We're going to be in the same three races with our best bets. How about that? Four, five, and six. And what's cool about that is those are all three in the pick five sequence too, which is race number two. You can play a $50,000 guaranteed pick five, and you can play on just a 20 cent based wager. So we'll, uh, we'll try to help you out with the back part of this pick five sequence. And Barry, you, as someone who is down there at Gulfstream Park, you play a lot of synthetic races, all synthetic races at Woodbine now at this point of the season. Set us up race number four. Where do you want to look? Yeah, you know, synthetic races are, are kind of a challenge in and of themselves um, because, you know, there's really no horses technically bred <laughs> for synthetic. So, you know, you kind of have to work your way through um, yep. you know, kind of guessing as to when horses kind of show up on the synthetic, what they're going to do. Um, obviously, turf is an indicator of 
of how they like the synthetic, but it's not an end-all be-all because I've seen dirt horses translate just as easily. So you kind of have to tread carefully. Um, this fourth race kind of gave me fits, to be honest with you. I, I thought this was a really tough race to come up with somebody, but I did. Um, not the, the biggest price in the world, but I took number seven, Hot Cargo. I think this horse is probably going to sit one of the better trips in here. Uh, you have eight wings from above that has plenty of speed. Um, you have the five big ginger who, who probably will have to get out and go. Um, Chrome plated heart is another one that that's going to be forwardly placed and possibly the one, but given yep. that there's more than two horses that are going for the lead, I think the, the pace will be fair. And, and that's where kind of hot cargo will slide into that kind of stalking trip. You see his, his race back in July um, on the synthetic, the, the state bred stake or hers. Yep. Um, I think it's the Thunder Bay. She ran a pretty good race that day. And anything close to that will probably win this race. I know people will look at it at her last couple of races and be like, ah, but I, I don't think those were favorable setups. I, I think this is a much, much better setup for this horse. Kimura comes back to ride, you know, and on a quick turnaround too. That's the other thing. And I, I think the dropping class makes all the difference here. Getting into this non-winners of three from an optional claim of 40,000, um, it's, it's going to be huge. We are, again, looking at the way this race shapes, uh, shapes up almost identical because I'm going to use the horse right next door to you, remembering Rhoda. And I think people may look overall and, and think that she can't win on the synthetic because her form overall, she's 0 for 7. But a lot of those have been against better. The races down here at this level were really not that bad, and she had some legitimate excuses. They were before the, the layoff and then right after the layoff. She's going to get the trip from off the pace in here that we're looking for. Uh, she chased like Lone Speed, Kara Kara a few starts back. So that race looks a little bit worse because that horse won by nine lengths and, and she got beat <laughs> by 11 that day. And then last time out, she got shuffled really, really badly. She actually tried to get to the lead. Um, I, I like seeing something like this just to show. I don't think she's going to get to the lead or, or want to, but it just kind of showed me that they wanted to get her in the race. Uh, she was the number two in this race that we're going to watch just the beginning of. And it just shows me that she's got a little more versatility to her um, as like she's right there. But three others want the lead. And what's going to end up happening, she sits, she's sitting a nice trip. Like you're seeing her, okay, she's forwardly placed and she's right there. The horse to the inside is going to go a little bit. But when the horses to her outside move up early, she gets pinned back in and shuffled. It's like a harness trip as uh, they make that early move. And then here she goes, shuffled all the way back. And all of a sudden she goes from first to last here in a small field where you just, you don't really have a shot in a, especially when you're facing better in a situation like that, Barry. That's like, that exemplifies what you would call a tough trip <laughs> because the, the horse was, you know, in a great spot, got shuffled back, back, had to go outside and then kind of, you know, was trying real hard in the stretch. I, I just think, you know, that one deserved, a, deserves another shot. And and honestly, I, between, these are the two horses that I had to pick between the six and the seven. I ended up on the seven. You picked the six. Go figure. We, 
We uh, both are looking for that same type of horse, that same type of price, that same type of trip. We've got the six remembering Rhoda and the seven hot cargo right next door to each other. Let's move right next door to race four with race number five. Barry, five furlongs, 10,000 claimers, non-winners of three. Where do you want to head? Yeah, this is this is a great race too. I I mean, you know, for for a holiday card, you know, usually you feel like you're never gonna get like the best horses. Obviously, this is a ten thousand dollar non winners of three, but these these races are very very competitive. Um, I thought this is another race where where a lot of horses had a shot, but I also thought there was a lot of speed, especially towards the Me outside. Um, rookie Court, Spanish Beauty, Swirling Dancer, Rifling all and even perfect provision all have speed and and even you throw the one miss bikini in there so I we're on the, the same one again i knew two. where we're Where's going yep yep <laughs> the lone closer yep absolutely keep talking on social drinker yeah i mean you know he, he should definitely she should definitely get the run of the race she, she does well on this surface does well at this level just needs the the right set up and i think she gets it i mean her race on uh, august 24th is solid and would win this race most you know you run it 10 times probably win it about seven um and i i i think that merits the chance here especially at that price if we get six to one that'll be a hell of a score completely agree social drinker just felt like the true closer in here i think that that's her best trip but she can actually sit a little closer like that august 24th race said we don't really want her yeah. close up in here because that they were going slower that day but this is a great spot for her and i think honestly watching her race last time out some of these horses that have like short bursts I think this is going to be good for her because they should be going really quick and she'll get that pace to run at mm -hmm. social drinker. I'll have a drink or two on, on Thursday. That's me. I, that, that describes yeah. me to a T. I'm a social yeah. drinker. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially as I've gotten a, a little older, uh, when I was younger, <laughs> I was, uh, obliterated yeah. on a Thursday. <laughs> no, not when you got to get up early in the morning now with the kids and you got responsibilities and stuff like that, unfortunately. But, uh, social drinking, sure. Take a few of those. And Barry and I will see if we can get this one home on Thursday at Woodbine race number five. So we'll both have our final play on Thursday in race number six. This is the closeout leg of that pick five sequence. And I agree with you, Barry. It's not a like a full stakes race card, right? And these are all synthetic races. They're really competitive and really challenging races, like all through the card. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't really ask for too much more on, on any racing day, let alone a holiday. So it, it should be a fun time, and I don't, I, I don't think it's going to chalk out, and that's good. That's exactly what we're looking for. Talk to us, race number six. Who, uh, who stood out to you in this one? Six or seven? Are we in the seven? Or in the oh, okay. Oh, you're, you're going, okay. Six. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the uh, four, five, six. You're right. Yeah. Um, this one is is, is kind of you're gonna have to hear me out on this one <laughs> and let me explain why I picked this horse. Um, basically, this race, you know, is kind of like a second half of the one that we we evaluated earlier. I don't know if they they split the races or not, um, but it, it's it's they're too similar to think that these horses couldn't run together. Um, regardless, 
I picked the five Zakari. I think this horse was actually improving before they took to the turf on June 15th. You see the, the horse came off the bench, was, was off from February 3rd to April 23rd. Ran a nice race off the bench in the maiden special weight. They dropped him slightly into uh, optional claimer 40,000 and made an optional claimer going long. And the horse kind of ran off and, and won fairly easily at 11 to 1. Then they put the horse on the turf for Lord knows what reason. And obviously that didn't work out. The horse may have gotten hurt even because you haven't seen the horse since June 15th. But you look at the workout pattern. It starts basically on October 15th. Kind of a slow work that day. Then November 1st picks up the pace. Runs evenly on on the 11th in that workout. And then the 17th pairs it up. I, I think this horse is sitting on a good race. It's a matter of being able to work out a trip. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get... We're going to get our price. If you like this horse, you're going to get your price. Because, you know, we have a nondescript jockey in, in Slavinsky. And you got horses like Sandrome who to me is kind of like fool's gold. I don't like horses like this me neither. coming up to Woodbine from, from, you know, New York. Win or lose, they no always synthetic. get over that. Yep. And, and that's what I'm hoping. I hope they just fall into it because, you know, they see the Saratoga, they see Aqueduct, they see Belmont, and they're just going to try to pour in all that money. And I don't think this horse is all that great. Um, probably fits at this level, but might not. I mean, honestly. And running style-wise. Running and losing. Doesn't right, fit like, because there's so much speed in this race. Absolutely. The horse there's you picked, Barry, I pick second. I think if you're playing the pick fives, you have to use Zakari because he feels like it's a real wild card in here. And I think he could yes. sit a nice trip just like he did on that April 22nd race where he's maybe sitting third or so just off the pace. Like that could be a really nice spot for him. He'll have a little bit more punch in here, probably a little farther back in this particular race because there's speed, but he's got enough to kind of place him in striking range. The one I'm going to mention, I'm going to throw one downfield. Big price here. Oh, we all liked him 20 to one. So okay. we're looking at a horse who actually, we talked about the horse right next door who's two to one from New York. Now you have a horse who's 20 to one that actually raced at New York previously also. But for him, what I like, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be coming from off the pace in here, sitting the trip from the outside. He's not as fast as some of the others. He was like three lengths off on September the 13th. And that, those are just the tactics I'm hoping for with him. They're sort of looking around, see where he belongs. He's now going to make his third start off the bench. So we're looking for the closers in this race. I hope that the seven takes back three or four lengths from the outside. He will be fit because he won going six and a half. He's just not as fast as some of these others in here who are a lot faster early. And I think because of that, it'll place him in a nice spot. We all liked him. feel like this was named after you, my friend, right? 20 to one. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Well, uh, we had a quick show, but we had to do a little special Thursday Thanksgiving for you today. And uh, appreciate my man, Barry. I reached out to him there today, and I said, Barry, we got to do some stuff early this week because of the holiday. So whatever you need, absolutely. That's what great friends are for, man. I get mushy sometimes <laughs> every now and then with you, but it has been an awesome last couple of years becoming really good friends with you, getting to know you. I love talking races with you. I always learn something from you. You kind of steer me in a direction sometimes with horses that I wasn't even paying attention to or weren't on my radar. And 
Uh, always one of my best times of the week, the uh, the hour or so you and I sit down and, and talk some races together. So I hope you and your family have a beautiful Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking some races next week somewhere. Yeah, always. Um, yeah, I hope you're, you and your family have a great uh, Thanksgiving. I know I'm, I'm guessing, but I'm pretty sure Milo's excited. He, you know. Oh, yeah. I, when I was a kid, I used to love Thanksgiving because of all the food and, and stuff and everybody was around. But it's always a great time to get with family and friends. And, uh, you know, you, you're you're like family to me. So, you know, if you were here, you'd be at my house having, having dinner. But we can do it Same in, uh, thing. in solidarity of coast to coast. <laughs> Same thing, my friend. Uh, it's been a beautiful, beautiful friendship through the years. And I hope all of you out there have a very safe, and happy Thanksgiving with your family, your friends, and your loved ones. Thank you for making uh, our shows part of your week, part of your day, however you watch. If it's you're listening on the podcast or you're watching the videos along with us, we always appreciate you coming along. And if you're ever watching and you want to uh, post and share some comments, a lot of the times we record it, so we're not going live. So if you comment and we don't respond, it's not because we're too cool. It's because we've usually recorded early, and then we're sometimes playing it after. So if you ever want to, uh, yeah, let us know and Barry and I will respond and go back and forth. We love interacting with all of you and we hope you all have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Don't forget about that big Black Friday sale at drf.com, shop.drf.com. Use the promo code. Almost everything in the shop is 20% off. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Have an awesome, awesome Thursday. Big thank you to Barry for helping us out with Thanksgiving Day Plays. As we get set for NFL Week 12, we want to remind all of you about full-service realtor Cindy Carava. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. And as a full-service realtor, all you need to do is contact Cindy, and she can get you in touch with vendors, with lenders, with all sorts of folks that she's worked with and she has experience working with. Whatever you need in the field of real estate, contact Cindy Carava. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. Let's get into NFL Week 12 game previews. Just me this week. Eric had, uh, I let Eric go hang out with his family a little bit. He's been with us every single week for the last like four years. So Eric, have the week off, my friend. I dive into all of the NFL Week 12 game previews right now. Time to talk some NFL Week 12. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I'm recording this on Wednesday, November the 22nd, day before Thanksgiving, and we have three Thanksgiving Day games this year on NFL Week 12. We also have a Black Friday game for the first time ever. So we'll have three games on Thursday, one game on Friday, and then we'll get into the Saturday, uh, the Sunday and the Monday games. Gino Bocola here with you. Eric, I gave him the week off. It's Thanksgiving. You know, I finally said, Eric, you can have a, a few days off. Eric's got a lot of stuff going on with the family this week, but we will probably be together later in the week for uh, our shows on Friday and on Sunday. More information to come on those. Right now, we are going to look at the 
betting lines at DRF Sportsbook. And if you are in the state of Iowa, you need to sign up right now. Use the promo code FAST300. It'll get you all the way up to a $300 deposit match bonus. Let's go game by game. I have a few plays, but we'll get you all previewed. We'll get you set up. So however you're playing the game, if you're a gambler, if you're just a a fan, if you're someone who plays fantasy or DFS, we'll make sure you're all ready and prepped. Or if you just want to talk some Thanksgiving Day football with your family and you can have a a stat or two to sound, you know, smart or like, you know, some uh, advanced stuff because I'm lucky I'll read a lot. I'll bookmark a lot. Sort of how I do my work. I'll when I'm watching the games, I'll watch everything, take some notes, look at some of the other notes that are out favorite bookmark some tweets and some posts then after i'll rewatch the game and then i'll read some articles i'll look at the advanced box scores and see if you know how my eyes matched what some of the numbers say and that's when you can really feel like you you get a good sense of things let's start thursday early game packers at the lions this one's up to the lions minus seven and a half the lions are now eight and two the lions are Eight and two for the first time since 1962. They're 16 and four in their last 20. Entering week 11, teams that were down 10 plus points in the final five minutes of regulation were 0 and 84 this year. Not anymore because the Lions came back down 12 points with four minutes and 15 seconds left to go against the Bears, and they won that game. They played really poorly throughout a lot of the game, particularly Goff with three interceptions. Not not some great decisions, but. Down 12, they go six plays, 75 yards in one minute and 16 seconds. They cut the lead to five. Then they force a three and out that only took 26 seconds off the clock. They go 11 plays, 73 yards in two minutes and four seconds to score a touchdown. And then a two-point conversion puts them up by three. The first play for the Bears with 22 seconds left, sack, fumble, safety. Now all of a sudden the Lions are up by five. Go from down 12 to up five. Amazing. It was also their first win since 2013 when they had four turnovers in a game. But Goff was bad. He was graded quarterback 29 out of 31 that took snaps on the week and three turnover-worthy plays. Down the stretch, though, final two drives, he made some big throws. And he has been in big games, been in big moments. This is nothing new for a guy who's taken a team to the Super Bowl. But the first three quarters, he was three of seven on passes under pressure, two interceptions in the fourth quarter. He goes six of eight for 87 yards and a touchdown win under pressure. After the game, he said, quote, I don't take my job lightly. My job is so much greater than how good I do. It's so much greater than what my stats are or how many touchdowns I can throw. So I'll be there for my teammates and being the best I can on every play and throughout the game, even when things aren't going my way. I'm not playing well as I'd like to early on. How do I find a way to center it myself back to be what my true job is here? Be the best on every play. Do everything I can for my teammates. I like that from Goff. He's really matured and grown up. Now their defense struggled again. That's what I'm going to try to attack because they allowed 183 yards rushing. They allowed the Bears to get 25 first downs and run 71 total plays in the game. So the Lions have to come back after allowing 71 plays being run, chasing fields all over, and now you got a short week. And remember the week before, they played the Chargers in that game where it was back and forth and their defense got torched. So that's what's concerning. The Bears had more than 40 minutes of time of possession. So the Lions defense was on the field for 40 minutes in that game. 
double the time of possession of the Lions offense. So now that's what worries me. Even Hutchinson, who had a sack in the strip, it was his first one since week five. Positives for them, though, Gibbs. Since week seven, out of running backs, Gibbs is number four in rushing yards, number two in yards per carry, number two in with five touchdowns, number three in receptions, number four in receiving yards, number one in receiving first downs. He had his fourth straight game with a rushing touchdown. This is a good football team, man. Shout out to the Lions. They're averaging 27 points a game, 400 yards a game. They scored in the 40s twice this year, and they've held opponents under 10 twice this year. They have one game against the Ravens when they were a no-show. Other than that, they've been dominant in you know every almost every game. You know, they came back last week and they had a few back and forths, but they've been a very good football team this year. Now we'll go to the Packers. And I'm not laying the number with the Lions. I'm not going to play the Packers plus the seven and a half. I would lean that way if you were looking for a place to play, a spot to play. What I am going to play is the Packers team total over 19 and a half because of those concerns with the Lions, their defense being on the field for so long, over 40 minutes, over 70 plays, and then having to come back on a short week. And on top of that, the Packers and Love come off of a good offensive game for them last week. Now, it was against a Chargers defense that isn't great, but they actually looked more competent and will now come in and play a really tired and run-down defense that's been struggling lately. Aaron Jones is out for the Packers, but they only they almost had 400 total yards. They looked good. They got a lot of different players involved, and they've been used to playing without Jones. He only had four carries in that game. He got hurt. Reed had three carries for 46 yards, also 46 yards receiving. Wicks had 91 yards receiving. Kraft had 32 yards. Musgrave had 28. I think he's going to be out. It was Love's first game with 300-plus passing yards. I'm going to play the Packers team total over 19.5 at minus 106. I think the Packers can score 20 in this game. That's what I feel confident about. But the Lions are, I, I feel like, a much better team. This, they're going to be excited for this game. Thanksgiving, good football team. Let's go Packers team total moving to the second of the three Thanksgiving day games. As we look here at DRF Sportsbook. if you're in the state of Iowa, make sure to sign up, use our promo code scrolling across the bottom. Washington loses last week to the giants. They've lost both games to the giants. And now the rumors are that Rivera is really on the hot seat. Dallas is a 12 and a half point favorite in this game. Over under 48 and a half. Washington had six turnovers. Even with everything going against them, they were still down by just five points late in the game before a, a pick six put them away. Howell was just awful when under pressure. He was two of eight, 26 yards and three interceptions. He had a negative 23.6 completion percentage over expectation on those throws. They did sack the quarterback nine times, which was a, a positive. Prior to that game, they'd never recorded eight sacks in a game and lost. Got to Tommy DeVito. What's concerning now is that Washington and Howell really struggled when under pressure recently, and that's been the major weakness of Howell, who's actually looked pretty good this year when he's not taking sacks and running into sacks. And now you're going to face a Dallas team that's best in the league in pressure. They come off of a sleepy flat spot for them. They were never in doubt of losing the game against Carolina, but it was only a one possession game late in the third quarter. Following that, they go 75 yards, score a touchdown. They put the game away, scored nine points off Panthers turnovers and Dak now kind of quietly, 
know, he's the number one graded quarterback this year by pro football focus. He's number three on passing grade. How about the stat for Bland, who had another pick six? He has four pick sixes this year. He's the one who's filling in for Diggs. Played a lot last year when they bring in Gilmore and then they move him, and now they had to move him back. He has more touchdowns than any single player on the Browns, on the Colts, on the Falcons, on the Jets, Rams, Saints, and Steelers. The fourth player in history to return four interceptions for touchdowns in a single season. And the defensive front allowed two different rushers uh, to have more than 50 yards. That's something to keep an eye on for them. They also allowed Carolina to go on a 17-play, 70-yard drive. But they just beat up on bad opponents. They've had six wins of 20 or more points this year. This is the type of game where they win by 35. I'm just going to stay away because Washington can move the ball offensively. You know, Sam, Sam Howell leads the league in passing yards. So can they do enough to get some garbage time here and get you a backdoor if you play Washington plus 12 and a half? Sure. But this is where Dallas feasts on these teams. They're just more talented than third Thanksgiving day game 49ers at the Seahawks. If you can find the plus seven or, or above, it feels like a good spot for Seattle mainly because this is a huge game for the division. Seattle's at home. They have a brutally tough schedule coming up. Seattle plays this game. Then they play at Dallas at the 49ers. So they play them two of the next three weeks and then they play the Eagles. They could lose all four of those games. This is their best shot right here at home. Divisional rival team that you've actually played well again in Seattle. Carroll's had good success against Shanahan in Seattle. And it looks like Geno Smith will be playing in this game. That's huge, obviously, for them. Seattle had last week, they lost to the Rams. They had three possessions and three long drives in the first half. And then a one play drive at the end of the half. So don't even count that. In the three drives. They scored on all three of them, and they went at least six plays on all three of them and at least 43 yards on all three of them. But two of them were field goals, so they were only up 13-7 at the half, even though it felt like they were really dominant. Start the game 4-4 on third down. Then they go one for their next 11 on third down. They just can't move the ball at all, though, in the second half. Punt, three plays, eight yards. They kick a field goal on a 13-yard drive. They go four plays, 11 yards, punt. Three plays, one yard, punt. Three plays, seven yards, punt. Three plays, negative one yard interception. Seven plays, 38 yards, and they missed a field goal. And late in the third quarter, Geno Smith got crushed by Aaron Donald. Locke comes into the game. He throws a bad interception that ends up leading to a field goal that put the Rams ahead. And they didn't earn a first down with Locke in the game. Seattle is down by one with a minute and 30 seconds left to go. Geno Smith comes in for the final drive, and he moves Seattle down the field. And instead of trying to get closer, they were just content with attempting a 55-yard field goal, which went wide right. They had already made field goals of 54 and 52 on the day, but Pete Carroll just got a little conservative there. It was a really ugly game as far as penalties are concerned for both the Rams and the Seahawks. 12 penalties for 130 yards for Seattle. It was the most in the NFL this season in penalty yardage and the most for Seattle since 2018. Kenneth Walker got hurt. That was something to monitor for them. That's not going to be easy. And and we got to talk about the 49ers and just how good they look when everyone's healthy and everything's going well for them. Purdy was awesome. You'll hear all over about the perfect passer rating he had. And he had a career-high passer rating last week. It was the first perfect passer rating for San Fran since Joe Montana in 1989. 
three touchdowns, no interceptions, 21 of 25, 333 yards, seven of 10 on passes of 10 plus air yards for 213 yards and two touchdowns. He leads the NFL and EPA for a dropback on passes of 10 air yards this year. The defense played well. They allowed only 287 total yards, just 66 on the ground. McCaffrey, he has now played in 21 regular season games with San Francisco, 21 touch, or 24 touchdowns. Only one other player in history has more touchdowns through their first 21 games with a new team. That was Randy Moss with the Patriots when he scored 25. Now, where they've struggled recently, red zone offense. They were fourth in the league for six weeks. Since then, uh, week seven and on, they're just six of 14. That would put them at 26th in the NFL during that stretch. Like last week, they went two of four. Lost Hufunga out for the season with a torn ACL. Plus seven or above, I'd lean Seattle here on the Thursday nightcap. Three games on Thanksgiving Day, Thursday. Black Friday, we've got the Dolphins at the Jets. And we've got Tim Boyle starting for the Jets who bench Zach Wilson. Yeah, he looked really bad again. But now you're going to bring in Tim Boyle. His career touchdown to interception ratio at Connecticut in college, one touchdown, 13 interceptions. At Eastern Kentucky, 11 11 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. In the NFL, three touchdowns, nine interceptions. You even wonder sometimes how someone like this is in the NFL or even got drafted. Nonetheless, he's starting. And... It can't be much worse than what we've seen for the Jets. They had 155 total yards last week. They did actually score a touchdown for the first time in 41 drives, and they missed the two-point conversion. They've scored three touchdowns in their last 65 possessions. The Jets fumbled away the opening possession, but they were able to force a field goal. And then even after three possessions where they didn't move the ball, they were only down 9 nothing. The Bills had it four times and only scored nine points. Then they fumbled. I mean, they had gained 18 yards on their first 14 plays last week. They were only down 10 points at the half because their defense kept trying, and Wilson took some bad sacks on the first two drive of the second half, and then boom, they're 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 done with him. He got benched. It, it's not all his fault. The offensive line has been terrible. They've allowed six. Uh, they allowed six sacks in that game, and then Beckton gets carted off the field last week with a high ankle sprain. The Jets offensive coordinator Hackett in his last 24 games before Sunday. He was the head coach of the Broncos last year and now the offensive coordinator here. His teams have averaged 15.7 points per game. Denver was 25th in total yards when he was in charge. The Jets are 29th. Both of those teams were last in the league in third down conversions. It's not good. It The problem is that the Dolphins is a nine and a half point favorite on the road here. They had three turnovers and a missed field goal in the first three quarters last week. Then in the fourth quarter, they go three and out each of their first two drives. Hill was incredible. He had that one slant play where he just outruns everybody across the middle of the field. He finished with 10 catches, 146 yards. He's the first player in the Super Bowl era to have 1,200-plus receiving yards in a team's first 10 games of the season. It was his 10th career game, which he had at least 10 catches, 140 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Him, Jerry Rice, Andre Johnson tied for the most ever with the with those numbers. This was actually the first time when the Dolphins won a game this year where they've scored 20 or fewer, and they're 2-0 and when they've committed three-plus turnovers in the game. They were lucky to win that game against the Raiders. They played a team that couldn't pick up a first down for 31 minutes of game time, and the Dolphins did not score a touchdown in the second half. 
they couldn't run the ball, only 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, A. Shane got hurt again, but a positive. The defenses look better. Ramsey's back and healthy, and they forced turnovers now in four straight games. But I like the Jets at anything over nine, nine and a half here and 10. I'm, I'm definitely in on. Uh, let's go on the Jets side here on the Black Friday game. Panthers at the Titans. Crazy stat for Tennessee. I hadn't realized this until hearing it and then looking it up. They've only played three games in their home stadium this year, and they've won all three of them. They played a game in London and then six road games where they're 0-6 on the road. They've been outscored 140-70, to but they have five home games left, including this one against Carolina, who's a bad football team. Carolina had only 187 total yards and just 77 net yards passing last week. The defense actually played pretty well, holding Dallas to only 311 total yards. And they went on a 17-play, 70-yard drive that took 8 minutes and 58 seconds, ended with a touchdown. And at that point of the game, it was the end of the third quarter, or two minutes left to go in the third, and they're only down by seven. And then Dallas gets the ball and goes 75 yards in three minutes, scores a touchdown. And then the first play, Carolina gets the ball back. They throw a pick six. And all of a sudden, they're down by 20 with three minutes and 11 seconds of game time gone by. They go from down seven to down 20. Then they get the ball back. Young fumbles it. And Cowboys kick a field goal. And boom, it's even worse. Panthers had eight penalties for 90 yards. They had two unnecessary roughness penalties after stops on third and long in the first half. Just one of those would have ended what was a touchdown drive for Dallas. Now the owner is thinking about firing their head coach, Reich, who just got hired this year. So he became the owner. He fires Rivera after 20 games or 28 games. Then he lets go of the interim coach at the end of the year. He fires Matt Rule after 38 games. He Rivera had coached longer than that, but he'd only been the owner for, I guess, that period of time. Then Matt Rule, 38 games, he's gone. Then Wilkes who does a good job as the interim coach at 6-6, six and six, he lets him go, and now he's thinking about firing this one. He also owns the Charlotte FC Major League Soccer team. They've made the playoff. They made the playoffs this year. They fired their coach. They fired their coach last year. So second year in a row, they fired their coach. He's just firing coaches all over the place, the team, these organizations that he, uh, that he owns. Yeah, the number here, I just don't like it either way. Carolina, I'm I'm not excited to get in on this one. Tennessee, it feels like they will play a lot better here. I mean, the offensive line continues to struggle. They can't look as bad as they possibly looked. Re, uh, they couldn't run the ball at all. They're 19th in rushing yards per game, just over 100. Henry's had 24 yards and 38 in his last two games. And then that puts more pressure on a rookie quarterback now who started three games. They don't have a ton of playmakers for him either. It's just not a great situation. They had 12 first downs on nine total drives and 235 total yards. No strong opinion in that one for me. As we move to Jags and Texans, this one's interesting. The Texans are like a plus one and a half point dog now. Jags favored slightly on the road here over under 48 and a half. So the Texans are the first team to exceed their win total. Going into the season, their total was set in five and a half. They're now six and four. And they won a game against the Cardinals. They probably shouldn't have won. They had three turnovers, three Stroud interceptions. But even in a game where he wasn't as sharp, he still finished with 300 yards passing and he completed 27 passes. There have been 11 times this year a player has thrown for 250 yards and in one half, and he's done it three times. And eight other players have done it once each. 
They had a fast start. They gained 60 yards. The, the Texans did on each of their first five first half drives, but they were only able to score on three of them. And then they got shut out in the second half. They've been leaning on Singletary. He had 22 carries for 112 yards. It was the first time in his career that he's had back-to-back 100-yard rushing games. And you got to give credit to the offensive line. He was only tackled for a loss twice. And he had four carries of 10-plus yards. Now, on the Jags side, I was impressed with what I saw from them. They bounced back. They were up by 13 at the half, and then they just coasted. They won the time of possession by almost 13 minutes. Ridley was an obvious focus. They got him a lot more involved. Nine targets, seven catches, 103 yards, two touchdowns. Lawrence just looked smarter. The decision-making was better. He used his legs in the red zone, a couple rushing touchdowns. He had a nice week overall, three big-time throws, zero turnover-worthy plays, graded quarterback number five on the week. He was six of eight on 15-plus air yards, which they had not been throwing down the field at all earlier this year. And it was the first time in like a month where he seemed not limited. Apparently, he was dealing with a a little bit of an injury. So I'll stay away from this one, but in a positive way, because I actually think the Jags are going to trend up the second half of this year and just play better. Their record's good, but they haven't played all that well recently. I think their offense will look better. And the Texans beat up the Jags on the road earlier this year. Should be a really good football game, an important game, and these two teams could both make the playoffs. We got the Patriots at the Giants. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get involved, but the Patriots and Mac Jones are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road this year against anyone, even Tommy DeVito and the Giants. Look, the Giants gained six turnovers last week, which is crazy. They won a game where they only had 13 first downs and 120 total yards less than their opponent. They lost time of possession by 10 minutes. They got sacked nine times, but they forced six turnovers. They only had 10 turnovers coming into the week, and they forced six last week, did the Giants. They even allowed nine sacks in that game and won. But they leaned on Barkley, who had 140 total yards on 18 touches. And DeVito was graded quarterback number nine on the week. It was 18 of 26, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 246 yards. I just can't back the Patriots as more than a field goal favorite on the road against anyone this year, even this Giants team. Patriots come off a bye. They had 340 total yards, but only six points last time we saw them on 68 total plays. They were 0 of 4 in the red zone. They had more total yards, more first downs, more yards per play, won the time of possession by almost nine minutes. But 0-4 in the red zone, five penalties, turnovers, and they had a bad interception with four minutes left to go in the game, and they benched Mac for the final drive. He got sacked five times in the first half of that game. He got hit nine times. Felt like he was under pressure the whole game. Two and eight, tied for the worst start in the Belichick era. Even their special teams has been bad, which was always a calling card for the Patriots. One point, they didn't have a punt returner. In the first half, they missed a short field goal. They allowed a 42-yard kick return. They're number 30 in special teams DVOA. But they have five one-score losses on the year. I'd lean the Giants plus the three and a half at home in here. You've got two teams coming off a bye in the Saints and the Falcons. The Falcons are now going to go back to Ritter. Um, He took over after Heineke got hurt. And Heineke wasn't much better than Ritter. And it kind of feels like Ritter has more upside in watching this game. I like Atlanta in this game at, at a pick em at home. They've lost three straight games in four of the last five. All of those could have and should have been wins. All of them were by eight points or less. 
Maybe they start handing it off to Bijan a little bit more now after the bye. He had 22 carries for 95 yards last we saw him. And that Atlanta didn't turn the ball over there, but they just weren't moving at all down the field. They have to have figured some things out. They had 2.9 net yards per pass play against a Cardinals defense that was one of the worst against the pass last we saw. For the Saints, we're not sure. It looks like Carr practiced on Wednesday. Either Carr or Jameis here. I... I have not been impressed with the Saints a lot of this year. Against the Vikings, they were down big. They came ba- they come back with Jameis coming in the game. And after the Vikings missed a field goal, the Saints were within eight. They got the ball back three more times, though, and went three and out. They just haven't been sharp. And I've been high on the Falcons coming into the year. They should have a much better record than they are now. I think this is a big spot for them. This is a really big game in the division here. Let's go Falcons in the pick We go to Steelers at the Bengals. Steelers are a slight one-point favorite on the road here. Steelers fire their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, which is a huge deal because they do not fire coaches in season at all. Then the news for the Bengals, they're going to be without quarterback Joe Burrow for the rest of the year. It'll be Jake Browning starting for them. On the offensive side for the Steelers, it's kind of weird. They Some of their advanced metrics look better than you think when you watch their offense, which has not been good. But they've played the toughest schedule of defenses this year based on DVOA, and they don't turn the ball over a ton. They only had 12 first downs in that last game and only 249 total yards. They went 3 of 14 on third down. They have to just feed Warren. He had a 75-yard touchdown run. He accounted for more than 25% of the total offensive production for the day. And since week seven, he's averaging eight yards per rush and only 9.2 carries per game at 73 yards per. Give him the ball more. Adios, Canada. The Steelers were never better than 23rd in yards or 21st in points under him. This year, they ranked 28th in both yards and points. They're 31st in passing yards, 31st in touchdowns, uh, dead last in touchdown passes last year. They've generated fewer than 400 yards in 58 straight games his entire time as a play caller. Last week, they had 64 total yards and 15 passing yards in the first half. It was the second time this year they had zero points and less than 70 yards in the first half of a game. I think by him just being out of there, they're going to look better. The Steelers have a negative 29-point differential despite being 6-4, and four, one of two teams in the league with winning records and a negative point differential. Okay, so Canada's out now. Now it's on you, Pickett. This offense is going to get a little better just by process of elimination. I think you'll have some more creativity there, Pickett, over the last couple years out of 41 qualified quarterbacks who register for these categories. Pickett ranks out of 41, 35th in EPA per dropback, 35th in success rate, 38th in explosive play rate, 30th in air yards per attempt, 17th in inaccurate rate. Pressure's on you now. And the pressure's on Browning for the Bengals. He had played a total of four snaps before needing to come into the game. Now, what's a positive for him? He did run a lot of offense in training camp with the first string because Burrow was hurt coming into the year. So he prepped with the first string offense a lot. So he's somewhat familiar with them and now has a week. It's not as if he was a complete backup. They were talking about this on the Pro Football Focus show. And it's a bummer for the Bengals because a few weeks ago, you feel like their season's completely starting to change. They play really well in a couple spots. They beat San Francisco. 
And in this game last week against the Ravens, the Bengals were up 10-7 with five minutes and 50 seconds left to go in the half. And then Burrow gets hurt. And then following that, it's like it deflates the entire team. They allow back-to-back touchdowns. And all of a sudden, going into the half, they're down 21-10. And Burrow's done for the year. And it's an offense that's built around his decision-making and his ability to see down the field. And now they're just going to have to make this thing a lot easier for Browning. Chase only had two receptions in that game. It was tied for his second fewest in a game in his career. The defense has been disappointing. They needed more from them last week. And they allow 400 total yards and 6.8 yards per play. At one point, the Ravens scored four straight times when the offense really needed some help from the defense there. In the last couple of years, they've been one of the least penalized teams in the league, the Bengals. But last week, they had nine penalties. And now they've got one of the toughest remaining schedules based on opponent win percentage. And they're 11th in the playoff standings. And they've lost every division game they've played so far. I actually like the Steelers. In this spot, coming off the fired coach bounce, it's basically a pick em here. Give me the Steelers looking a little better on offense without Canada. Tampa and the Colts. Colts a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game over under 44. You've got Tampa coming off the loss to San Francisco. They were only down by six at the half, but the first possession of the second half, they punt. San Francisco scores a touchdown. They punt. San Francisco scores a touchdown. You go from being down six to down 20. And in the fourth quarter, they're down 13. They moved inside San Francisco's 15-yard line two different times but couldn't score either time. They, The real key when I'm watching Tampa and I watch them back and why, as the season's gone on, they've struggled more, they cannot run the ball at all. They had 66 yards rushing. They only had 18 carries and 3.7 yards per carry. They were dead last in rushing yards per game, averaging 76.9 And because of that, it forces them to pass the ball. They had to throw it 45 times last week. And you just become one-dimensional and easier to defend. They also had four starters leave the game because of injuries. And their pass defense got torched. They allowed a perfect passer rating to Brock Purdy and some big plays. They're now 25th in dropback EPA allowed and 24th in dropback success rate allowed. Colts are kind of sneaky in this playoff hunt. They entered week 10 as the only team this year to score 20-plus points in each game. Uh, they only scored 10 in that game against the, the Patriots. They still come out with the victory. They had 264 yards of total offense and only 5 of 13 on third down, but a couple of big timely plays, and they took advantage of a struggling Patriots team. Their defense was putting pressure on the quarterback throughout. Uh, five sacks in the first half and nine hits on the QB. Yeah, this one's like a stay away for me. I probably lean Colts, but no real strong opinion here. We move to the Browns at the Broncos. How about Denver quietly now has won four games in a row. They are up to five and five, and they are big time in the playoff picture. The Browns come off that really, really big win for them with DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson. He had to throw the ball 43 times. He completed 24 passes, but only 165 yards. He did lead a 50-yard touchdown drive in the first quarter, and then... On a field goal drive late in the first half, he helped put Cleveland up 10 points. Then they were able to coast. In the second half, they only had 58 yards, but then on the final drive, they go eight plays, 48 yards, and kick a field goal to win the game. Maybe not in this game, but soon they're going to need to do more offensively because they can lean on their really impressive defense, Cleveland can, but they only averaged 3.5 yards per play, um, and you know they only had one penalty and one turnover but they're going to have to take more shots down the field 
The Steelers started stuffing the box and trying to force them to push the ball down the field. Uh, DTR only threw two passes over 10 yards down the field all day, and the average depth of target was 3.6 yards. It was their third win of the year for the Browns where their starting quarterback didn't throw a touchdown pass. And they've also had three different starting quarterbacks win a game for them this year. Yeah. Before that final drive, though, things got ugly for a while. DTR was 7 of 20 for 28 yards and an interception in the third and fourth quarter. And they only had four first downs in the second half. The furthest they'd gotten was the 36-yard line for Pittsburgh. But wow. That defense, seven of 10 games this year, they've held the opposing offense under 300 yards. The Steelers only crossed midfield three times out of 13 possessions. And it was the fourth time this year the Browns have held an opponent to 10 or fewer points. It Look, it, it's not like they were getting fantastic quarterback play from Watson, right? He, the last 12 games with Watson on the Browns, 59% completion percentage, 5% below average. Passer rating was 81.7. League average is 89. He was way below that. 14 touchdown passes and 12 starts. Sam Howell of Washington has 14 since October the 1st. And when Watson next plays in a game in September, it will have been 12 games that he's played in the last three years and eight months. Now on the Broncos side, their defense was so bad the first five games that they still rank dead last in metrics. Even though since week six, their defense is actually 10th overall. In weeks one through five, they were twice as bad as any other team based on DVOA and more than twice as bad as any defense has been since then. But uh, they're kind of quietly improving. And Russell Wilson, he's completed 69% of his passes this year, puts him on pace for a career high, on pace to throw for 3,500 yards. He's already thrown for three more touchdown passes than he did all of last year, and he has seven fewer interceptions. He's only got four so far this year. He's fourth in the league in passer rating. Since week six, he is third in EPA per pass on first down. And Peyton has been drawing up really creative stuff for first down. Last week for the Broncos, seven different receivers caught multiple passes. They struggled moving the ball through a lot of the night, though. It was a game where they kind of got lucky because the three turnovers from the Vikings. Going into the final drive, they were only one of 11 on third down and 0 of four in the red zone. But all three turnovers they created resulted in field goals. They end up kicking five field goals in the game, and they win that one. Kind of a stay-away game for me here. No real strong opinion. We move to the Rams and the Cardinals. Rams are quietly in playoff positioning now. They have some winnable games left. At Arizona here, home for the Browns with DTR. Games against Washington, New Orleans, and at the Giants. not saying they win all of those games, but they're winnable games. And the Rams have had good success against the Cardinals over the last few years. The Cardinals, while they kept the game close, I don't think they looked really all that good when you dive into the game and went down to down. They were just one of four on fourth downs, including missing all three of them late in the game where they were only down one possession. They were three of 10 on third down. And I was a lot more impressed with what the Rams did late in that game. They were down 13-0. They end up scoring a touchdown right before the end of the half to keep them in the game. Three straight punts, then an interception to start the second half. They're a bit lucky that Seattle was only able to kick a field goal during that time. Now they're down by nine. And they only had 267 total yards, just 4.5 yards per play, but 144 in the fourth quarter. And that was more than the first three quarters combined. The defense only allowed 87 total yards in the second half. Even with some strange play calling late in the game, a pass on second down, they left Seattle with a minute and 31 left to go in the game. 
And they got lucky that Seattle missed a late field goal. A couple things that work for them. Play action. They used play action a season high. 33% of their dropbacks. Monitor the cup injury. He had to leave the game with an injury. The 35th career fourth quarter comeback for Stafford. He is sixth all time in fourth quarter comebacks. Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Matt Stafford. I like the Rammies in here in a tight one. Pick them game on the road. I think they can get back into a spot where they'll be fighting for a playoff spot. I don't think they're that good of a team, but I think with the schedule ahead, if Stafford's there, their defense can make some plays. Oh, Geno Smith put that hit on, or uh, Aaron Donald put that hit on Geno Smith last week. That was brutal. Let's go Sunday to the Bills and the Eagles. I wanted to play against both of these teams this week because the Eagles, they keep winning games where they don't look fantastic. And even by the advanced metrics, they're not great. They just crept in to the top 10 of DVOA. I think they are number 10. Um, Defensively, they're not great against the pass. They struggle in spots against the run. And their offense is really up and down. They only had 78 uh, total net yards of offense at halftime, and 70 of those came on one touchdown drive. After three quarters, they only had 146 total yards. But the defense forced two red zone turnovers in that game against the Chiefs. And Hertz only finished with 150 yards passing, one interception. It was a big Devontae Smith game. Six catches, 99 yards. A.J. Brown only had one catch for eight yards. They made adjustments in the second half. Eagles allowed 121 rushing yards in the first half. They gave up 47 in the second half. Now on the Bills side, they get a big win, score 32 points. It's the most the Jets defense has allowed since 2021. But they gained four turnovers from the Jets. And it was not a fast start for the Bills. They gained a fumble on the first play of the game. They go negative nine yards on four plays. They have to kick a field goal. Then on their second drive, they go 14 plays, six minutes. Again, they have to kick a field goal. Another long drive on their third possession, nine plays, 65 yards, field goal. They punt on their fourth possession. And think about that. So now after four possessions, they had nine points. They're lucky they were playing the Jets because other good teams would have probably scored something. Two touchdowns would have gotten you 14. Two touchdowns out of your four possessions. A touchdown and a field goal would have gotten you 10. Now, you look at this game individually. The Bills had their second worst success rate of the season. Second worst passing success rate. Third worst rushing success rate. Second worst rushing EPA. We saw the big numbers and it looks like they blow them out. And oh yeah, they fired their offensive coordinator and now the offense looks great. That was not what I saw watching that game. Not what the box score will tell you. At the straight three, I'd lean Philly here. Wanted to fade both of these teams at three and a half. I was, it was no, no man's land for me at three. I think Philly's the better, more well-balanced team. I still have a lot of the same concerns I had about the bills. Give me the Eagles in here. Bills are number one in the league in variance. That's what we know about them. Moving to the Chiefs and the Raiders. Raiders lost last week, but they played very well in that game. They they played hard. Their defense put up a good effort. They allow 422 total yards, but they forced three turnovers, and the Dolphins only had 20 points. They just couldn't run the ball at all. 14 carries, 39 yards for Jacobs, and as a team, just 36 rushing yards. That forced them to have to throw the ball 41 times and three turnovers. And those turnovers hurt them. They had three interceptions in this game. They ended up getting the ball back four times in the fourth quarter with a chance to tie the game, and they had to punt. 
then turnover on downs, then back-to-back interceptions. And they didn't have a first down in the second or third quarter. They went 31 minutes and 26 seconds of game time without a first down. But they kept fighting. They really did. Now they're at home. They're playing a Chiefs team that's a nine-point favorite on the road. Look, this Chiefs team should not be favored by nine in this spot because their offense isn't good enough. We saw their receivers were dropping passes all night long. Similar to week one against the Lions, it wasn't Mahomes' fault. He was putting the ball on target, drop after drop after drop after drop on great passes. The Chiefs lead the league in drops with 26. 21% of Patrick Mahomes' incompletions this year have been drops. And two of those drops... Have been the result have been two losses for them. It was the third straight game where they have not scored a point after halftime. They've been shut out on their last 16 second half drives. They are the lowest scoring team in the second half of games this year. In his career, in the first 101 starts, there were two times where Patrick Mahomes Chiefs teams got shut out in the second half twice out of 101 starts. It's now happened three times in a row. The last three times they are awesome in the first half outscore opponents, 155 to 60. The chiefs had seven more first downs, hundred more total yards. They ran 20 more plays. They were better on third and fourth down. They won the time of possession by four minutes, but the drops two turnovers going two of four in the red zone, seven penalties, five of them in the second half that cost them the game. And it was only the third time they've ever lost a game where they had a double-digit lead with Mahomes in, in that game. Their, their offense is number 15 in success rate. Even Andy Reid, he doesn't feel confident because they were up 17-14 in the game, eight minutes and 56 seconds left to go. It's fourth and four at the Eagles, 39, and they punt. And then the Eagles go 89 yards and score a touchdown to take the lead. The Raiders plus the nine, they're playing harder. This is the, the great spot where if they're down by 14, you can get them for a garbage time backdoor cover here against the Chiefs team that's not been blowing a lot of teams out and their offense hasn't been all that incredible. Two games left Sunday night football. We've got the Ravens at the Chargers. Ravens are a three and a half point favorite on the road in here. I'm going to give you just a world of stats and info about the Chargers and most of it's negative. And then I'm going to tell you why I'm playing the Chargers plus the three and a half. Chargers should have won that game last week. Keenan Allen had two bad drops. Eckler fumbles a touchdown. Quinton Johnson drops a wide open pass. That probably would have been a touchdown. They have a DPI on a third and 20. That gives the opposition an automatic first down. The Packers, they were one of four on the red zone in the red zone. Their defense allowed six completions of 20 plus yards. That was tied for the most of any team this week. The Packers only had 26 completions of 20 plus yards before that game all year. Green Bay was fourth on the league in EPA per dropback of all quarterbacks on the week. The Chargers have allowed the highest explosive play rate in the league over the last two years for a defensive coach. They're 29th in defensive DVOA, eighth in offensive DVOA. Now, sorry about that. I had my uh, little coughing attack. I had my mic muted. I started talking and was uh, was not aware that I was still muted for a minute. As we finish up with the Chargers and the Ravens. So Packers were averaging 311 yards per game going into the game against the Chargers. Chargers allow 397 total total yards, 23 first downs. 
they allow the Packers to go 7 to 14 on third down. That's the first time in 27 games that Green Bay has gone over 300 yards passing. And it was Love's first ever 300-yard game. It was the first time since week three the Packers scored more than two offensive touchdowns. And now you got the Chargers who have five losses by three points or more. They had the Packers pinned third and 20 on their own 15. Chargers are up by four. Less than four minutes remaining, pass interference. It is the sixth time this year the Chargers have allowed a conversion of third and 15 or longer. Three of them have come on defensive back penalties. They've allowed a 50% conversion rate on third and 15 or longer this year. No other team allowed higher than 30%. They've given up 49 completions of at least 50, uh, 35 yards since head coach Staley took over, most in the league. 106 completions of at least 24 yards since he took over, second most in the league. Last three seasons, the defense, 29th in EPA per drive, 29th in success rate, 30th in points allowed per game. The offense during that stretch, fifth in EPA per drive, fifth in points per game. And Herbert, in the last two weeks, has led all quarterbacks in total EPA, third in EPA per dropback, fourth in success rate. They've lost both those games. Shout out to Keenan Allen, now the fifth player in history to have at least 50 career games with eight-plus catches. Got a couple bad drops, though. Him, Jerry Rice, Marvin Harrison, Fitzgerald, Andre Johnson. He actually leads the league right now in catches with 83. Only player in the league with 80. On the Ravens side, they're one of the best teams in football. But this is a good spot for the Chargers with all the chatter about firing their coach. We know the Chargers play a lot of close games. They've lost five games by three or more. The Ravens could make this a back-and-forth game. Ravens win this game in a close one. But the Chargers at more than three here. I think you take the Chargers plus the three. The Ravens will be without Mark Andrews. Odell was a little bit banged up. Lamar a little bit banged up also. So a couple reasons to think that the Ravens might be able to might play this game a little closer to the vest here. We finish up with Monday night football. The Bears spit that game out against the Lions, but Fields looked pretty good in his comeback game. He threw for 169 yards and a touchdown, 23 attempts. He ran for 104 yards on 18 carries, including the third and 14. And that should have iced the game, uh, but it did not. He finished the game with a sack, a fumble, and a safety. But this was, by success rate, the fourth best game of his career. 104 yards rushing. It was the fourth time he had at least 100 passing yards and 100 rushing yards. Tied for third behind Vic and Lamar. Up 12 with four minutes and 15 seconds left to go. Their win probability was 98.2% after that play. Now you've got the Vikings. They outgained Denver. Better on third down. Better in the red zone. But they turned the ball over three times, and those turnovers led to nine points for the Broncos. They've been a little lucky this year. After kind of an unlucky start, things are evening out a little bit. I think this is a close game here. I think I lean the Bears now. With Fields, he takes a lot of sacks, but if he's running more, can eliminate some of the pressure or the blitzes from the Vikings. I think a close divisional game here. I'm leaning Bears you could hear me. I was getting a tickle in my throat towards the end, so I was struggling a little to, to finish this one all the way through. Thanks so much for hanging out as we talk NFL Week 
number 12. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead. Eric will be back next week for our game previews. Don't forget about DRF Sportsbook. If you're in the state of Iowa, use that promo code FAST. 300 it'll get you all the way up to a 300 deposit match bonus if you're listening on the podcast plenty more to come on this one we've got lots of racing for thanksgiving and for friday we also have this week in wrestling with chad cooper plenty more to come make sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to the podcast that's what g said anywhere you get your podcast good luck to everybody in nfl week 12 Let's move to Friday racing. Now, because of the way the schedule was and the holiday when I recorded, I'm recording everything on Wednesday and the racing for Saturday is not out yet, but I will have some plays for Del Mar and for Woodbine for Saturday. Make sure to come follow me on social media. I'll post a couple videos that go to YouTube, that go to Twitter, that go to Facebook. So if you come follow me there, you'll check out some best bets for Saturday for Del Mar and for Woodbine. But right now, we have Friday best bets. First up, it'll be the Woodbine Pick 5, which starts on Friday in race 2. It's a $50,000 guarantee. And then we'll move right into Del Mar. Four best bets on the card for Del Mar for Friday. Kick back and enjoy Friday racing. Woodbine, then Del Mar. Happy Thanksgiving. We have that Black Friday sale going on right now at drf.com. Almost everything 20% off when you use the co- uh, the coupon code BF2023. Shop.drf.com. Past performances, clocker reports, uh, PPs of all different types, all of the tools and resources that you need on sale. Use that promo code. We're going to dive into the Friday card the Black Friday card, on Woodbine's Friday card. Remember, every racing day at Woodbine, they have a guarantee in their pick five. And on Friday, it's a $50,000 guaranteed pick five pool. That's going to start in race number two. Let's jump on in and take a look at the daily racing form past performances for Friday. So the second race kicks off that pick five sequence. And I'm going to start with the nine in here. These are $5,000 claimers who have not won three or have not won a race since November. And a lot of horses in here not in the greatest of form, not win machines. Chelsea Dagger has actually been in pretty good form recently. And dropping down to this level last time out, a similar spot. She was a really good third that day behind a horse that we'll see running a little bit later, Rocket Joe Cooper. I think Chelsea Dagger, just a repeat of any of the last three efforts, would be really competitive in here against this group. So the nines in the mix for me, no doubt. Both the three and the four, I think, are fair prices that you could use in your pick fives. The three, Phil in Echo, should be kind of a little closer up early in here by default exiting some of the races that he uh, she exits and just by process of elimination she's a little faster than i think some of these others in here the four silent lucidity i feel like you could say the same i think these two will be in good position at prices nine three four the two probably the horse to beat on the drop down in class will come running late nine three four two is how i had them stacked in race number two on friday at woodbine in the third race 
I'm going to start with the seven in here, Shamrock Ambassador. Sources raced twice, both on the turf. Now we'll try synthetic for the first time. Dam was a winner on the Woodbine synthetic. This guy is going to drop. He's going to get off the rail. He drew the inside in both of his starts. And in this field, he's just lightly raced with upside. That career debut race, which was against better. Both of his races have been against tougher. There were three next out winners. He had a fine start. He was inside. He was only a couple lengths off, and he was fifth. In a little bit of traffic, he loomed up traveling well. He was just behind the leader. He moved to the rail, but he just couldn't go on with the top contenders. He was not far out of third that day. It was better than looks. Last time out, he chased a wire-to-wire winner. I like the number seven, Shamrock Ambassador. I'm going to use along with the one collaborative who's going to stretch out. The uh, five, also going to be in the mix for me, Candy Street. Blinkers coming off today. And stretching out, I think we'll be more forwardly placed in here. And then you got the major players, you know, like the three stronger together, depending on and how deep you want to go. But this is a horse who's one for 24 overall, 0 for 16 on the synthetic. I know a lot of them have been in tougher spots, but by no means a cinch in here. I went 7 1 5 top tier, three and four would be my next tier shorter prices who I just didn't really know what to do that much with. And those are the type of horses I always try to beat. Let's go to race four. 10,000 non-winners of two mile and a 16th on the synthetic. I thought the one total Betty had legitimate trouble last time out was stuck inside in a bad spot in between horses had nowhere to go. She took back, she angled around and she had to come in between uh, just like a little bit flat total Betty. Makes a lot of sense here with this group. I mean, this is a group of one first. The number five brief is lightly raced with upside, a must use in this spot for me coming off the maiden win. You've got the eight bridge to nowhere. Who's pretty quick and stretching out. I'd imagine they will be forwardly placed and the one to catch in here. Then my next tier would be two, three and seven. You know, the two, the two ran Decent last time out, serenading hall, kind of in between horses, rises right there with Moonpool. The three keystroke was also in that very same race. And then you got Moonpool and Speedy Johnny, who are kind of similar. That's why I'm looking for a little more price. I'm going 158 as my top tier. And then how deep do you want to go? You know, you've got two, you've got three, you've got seven, you've got nine. I'll I'll definitely be using one, five, and eight. Let's go to race number five. I'll be Captain Obvious in this one. We don't even have to spend a whole lot of time. Red Sneakers in really nice form. Super logical, along with the five natural star, who I think will be forwardly placed in here, getting some class relief. Two five, two of the major uh, players, two of the top betting choices in here. Nothing really crazy or nothing to get outside the box. In the sixth race, though, I did like the two Carmenutes a little bit. I thought... Sort of looking at his form and his pattern overall, he would enjoy stretching back out. He won on October the 20th in a really similar spot, a $7,000 like beaten claiming race. Then he was at this level last time out. I think it was just too short for him. He got caught in between horses and some traffic. He shifted out. He had some nice late energy. And I think he'll be more forwardly placed in here. Carmen Utes. In this race, though, there's only one horse in the field that hit the board in their last start. That was the eight rocket Joe Cooper. Everyone else threw in a clunker last time. So a horse who's just in nice form right now, facing a lot of horses who did not run their best last out. 
And then you got the nine, Mambo in the forest dropping. Mambo was very consistent. Then last time out, chased a lone speed winner. So that race looks a little bit worse than it might have been on paper. We'll use three to close things out. For me, it'll be two, eight, and nine. There's a look at the pick five sequence for Friday at Woodbine. Pick five starts in race number two. For all of your wagering needs, all of the tools and the resources you need before you make your wagers, head on over to shop.drf.com and use the Black Friday coupon code. Good luck this weekend. Good luck at Woodbine. Time to talk some Friday, Del Mar, November the 24th, which is Black Friday, and DRF has a Black Friday sale right now all the way through Monday, November the 27th. Almost everything has a 20% off discount when you use the promo code BF2023 at shop.drf.com. Past performances, all the tools that you need when you're handicapping and preparing are on sale right now. So what does that mean? Buy a bunch. Save money, and then you'll have them if you're someone who plays Gulfstream Park every day, or maybe you play Santa Anita when the Santa Anita meet is. Maybe you use the clocker reports when you need help with the first-time starters in the summer at Del Mar and at Saratoga. If you purchase now, you'll be able to have credit, and they will stack up, and you can use those later, so you won't have to spend as much money. Take advantage of the Black Friday sale right now. Let's get some best bets for Friday at Del Mar. I'll go full screen here so we can see the DRF pass performances even better. I'm going to look at horses in races three, six, seven, and eight. Let's start with race number three on Friday at Del Mar. It's a mile on the turf. It's a 50 starter allowance for three-year-olds. I like the six in here remote. Let me talk you into remote. So his most recent race we can watch and we can get into in a second, but his form at Keeneland, you see at Belmont, at Saratoga, not bad. He breaks his maiden at Colonial. He has a good effort at Woodbine, fine effort at Santa Anita. And then in February, he shows up at Santa Anita, has some trouble. He's sent to the bench after that. So he's off from February to August. He shows up in August, and on August the 19th, he needs the race. He's involved early on, and he just runs like a horse who's a little bit short. October the 15th. Let's watch the race. I, I kind of liked it. And this was what made me want to want to play him. He's in the race with single track mind, Mega Moon. Remote is the number two in the horse, uh, this race that we're watching right here. And you could tell he did not want to go early to the lead because he's like on top naturally. But instead of going on with it, they decide to just sit, be really patient. They take him back and he ends up sitting but he doesn't want to sit as far back. He he wants to go. He moves himself all the way back up to about third or so. Uh, you could just see, though, they were really trying hard to get him to settle behind the leaders. And he's just going to get stuck in this bad spot down on the inside. He does settle. 
a little bit and he's in a good position. He's sitting third. And then all of a sudden that third becomes sixth because he just gets stopped badly along the inside here. And it's just not fun traffic. He gets shuffled so bad and has to come on again later. But this was his second start off the bench and he took a big step forward here and he has another ceiling he can get back to. We've seen him put up better races than this against good company. Right now, he's waiting for room. Now, all of a sudden, he shuffled back to fourth because he can't go. Where are they going to go with him? They can't really ask him. He's pinned in, and the horse in front of him, Rom, is backing up. And now, Rom keeps backing up, and all of a sudden, Remote loses another two lengths of positioning, and he's back to dead last at the top of the lane and just has no shot there. But even after that, he fights on in between, like inside of horses, and he moves up for a nice fourth after that trouble. He's got some races to get back to that really fit with this group. Nobody in here scares the heck out of me. And now we can make some legitimate excuses for a couple races, right? February, sent to the bench after. August, he needed the race. Then we just showed you the October 15th race. So his last three races, all legitimate excuses. Then look at the form prior to that. A lot of those would fit. Remote, third start off the bench. He also was behind Beef Winslow, and Beef Winslow just came back to win most recently and was put up via DQ over the weekend. So I, I like remote in here, 12 to 1. If we can get anything above 6, I think that's fair value on remote. Let's move to race number 6. I'm going to look at the two horse in here, Barton Strong. This is a maiden 20, and Barton Strong has two sprint races. That debut race, he had a fine start, but he ended up getting pushed back. He was in the two path, and all of a sudden, he's 12th at Los Alamitos. He was not far off of it. He makes an early move in between horses, and then he angles around. The top two had separated, but he was a good third that day at Los Al in the debut. Then October the 29th, he is slow early. He gets outrun a little bit. He's last of eight. He's about six lengths off. But he tips out four wide. He makes this big move to try to get into it. And he just flattens out late. But it was better than looks because he was chasing a lone speed winner that day. And now he's going to go two sprints to a route. Should be much, much closer here early on. The number two, Barton Strong. Two sprints to a route, stretching out. Let's go Barton Strong at five to one. Anything over seven to two feels fair. Moving to race number seven. It's the grade two, Hollywood Turf Cup. I like the five in here. Astronaut, who's five to one on the morning line. Astronaut is a multiple graded stakes winner. And his last start, they went over to Aqueduct, Belmont at Aqueduct, and it was a yielding turf course. I think he just put a line right through it. Now, he's finally going to be able to put a couple starts together. Over the last few years, he's just had to race and then time off. Even his last three starts have all been followed by layoffs. Now he should be fit, even though that race wasn't a good race. He at least ran around the racetrack at Belmont. He at least was able to shake some of the rust off after not having been in a race since March. And then prior to that, not having been in a race since November when he won the grade two Red Smith. He's actually got some speed if they don't go that fast, but he can close and he can pass horses. I would love to see him sitting second or third because I think Balladeer is going and Astronaut can stay within striking range, certainly classy enough to win this race. 
and he, the price should be fair because he he has a couple clunkers in his last few. I think we found reasons to excuse those. Astronaut, anything over seven to two feels like a fair price. Let's finish up race number eight, my final play of Friday at Del Mar. It's the number one perfect flight. Another horse where let's just eliminate his last two races. He tried the turf, didn't like it, didn't really run well, and look how fast they were going in that race. They went 21-1, and 43-1 to the half, just flying. Then on October, uh, August the 25th, he went over to Charlestown, ran against Graded Stakes Company, and it was on a wet track. So you can eliminate that race. Look at the July 30th at Del Mar. At this level, non-winners of two, optional 80, he wins at 10 to 1. Going a mile on the dirt, same exact condition, same exact track, everything. And he sat the exact type of trip I'm hoping he sits in here. He was fifth, like three or four lengths off. He was in the two path, maybe four lengths off. He waited. He just got a nice opening and he shot clear. It was a great ride that day. He should save all the ground in here. And that versatility could really help him because I think there's a, a decent amount of speed. You know Tahoe Sunrise is going to go. Right next door, full screen is going to go. Fast draw Munnings doesn't want to be too fast. And I think you know, McLaren Vale is more of a presser to leave a nice spot stalking for perfect flight to get some pace to run at. Hopefully gets the exact same type of trip that we saw on July the 30th at Del Mar. It's Friday at Del Mar, November the 24th. A couple plays for you to use throughout the card. Don't forget about that Black Friday sale. It is the biggest DRF sale ever. 20% off almost everything in shop.drf.com. Good luck on Friday at Del Mar. Good luck in all of the races on Thursday and on Friday. And remember, we'll have more for Saturday. If you come follow me on social media, we'll have a place for Del Mar and for Woodbine. Let's finish up with this week in wrestling. Anytime it comes to Thanksgiving, it always reminded me of Survivor Series. And Chad and I talk about some of our favorite Survivor Series moments through the years. Then we get into what's going on in AEW. We talk about WWE and preview this year's Survivor Series. And we finish up with NXT this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's that time of the week again to talk about everything going on in the world of pro wrestling. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. We're recording a little early this week, so we won't be watching AEW Dynamite. Chad Cooper joins me because we're recording on Wednesday morning. It has not happened yet, but I will give AEW credit, Chad, and we can start with them. We'll talk some AEW. We'll recap their pay-per-view. We'll talk about Survivor Series. We'll preview that, and we'll talk some NXT, but I will say I think it was a good call to have the announcements earlier in the day on a day when you have TV, because then it sort of gets people kind of talking about it and you had some matches announced for later in the day. So maybe they can catch some social media buzz for that. I, I think that approach 
I think that's a smart approach, right? Do it then. Right now, you and I are actually talk are going to be able to talk a little bit about it because they announced them, and we'll even be able to talk about some of the matchups. So, um, good approach, but just overall, the tournament here, it's another thing that felt like it kind of came together really, really quickly. We didn't get the big promotion for this for a while. Um, I, I'll just compare this to, like, New Japan. That's what AEW likes to compare themselves to quite a bit. Every year they have the uh, the G1 Climax, huge tournaments with, uh, like, round-robin tournaments where everyone wrestles everyone in their block, and then the, the couple from each block end up moving on. It goes over, like, a month. It's every day. There's matches all over. But what they do, they have an event, like, a month before where they announce everything. They announce all the matches, where the matches are going to be taking place, who's there. That way people can plan and and people know. When you do it like this real quickly, it's it's very difficult because, oh, yeah, tonight we're going to have these matches at Dynamite that nobody knew were even going to be there. How do you sell tickets for something like that? Well, I, I don't think they've, they've had any reason to sell tickets for Wednesday. It's been – now their pay-per-views have done well. Uh, attendance wise uh yeah um so continental classic first thoughts uh overall on the name i'm okay uh with that um i'm with you i'm piggybacking with you on this out of the blue it just seems to kind of come out of nowhere it seems like nowadays more companies and not just wrestling companies uh that's the way news is being announced uh, is on their social media accounts other rather than hey tune in tonight at seven o'clock for this massive tournament announcement and they go ahead and release all the participants and the tournament rules i i have not seen all the the participants but i did just see the tournament rules so the matches have 20 minute time limits you get three points for a win one point for a draw so we know there's probably going to be some draws booked and everyone uh, who's in a faction is banned from ringside. That's, here's so. what I here's what I think is funny. <laughs> how, how the hell do you do like? So I I like the idea of hey we're not going to have any like shenanigans. We don't want sure. run-ins and stuff like that. But play it out in like kayfabe. Like how do you do that or how do you say oh so. So these are real wrestling matches. You know, we're, for this tournament, we're not going to let any of that other crap happen because this is real. Like, it it seems very strange for that. And then two, don't you... I'm not saying I want there to be a bunch of run-ins, but don't you kind of want stories to be told in this tournament as well? Don't you need storylines for some of the matches? Otherwise, what's different about this tournament as their last several tournaments that we've watched, right? I every other point. night now, of wrestling on AEW, like every month, every Wednesday, Friday and Saturday, where they have a lot of good matches with good wrestlers, but no real story there. Hell, that's how a lot of their pay-per-views are good matches, great wrestlers. We know it's going to be four stars, but if there's no story built into it, what I, I don't know why I care that much. Well, I'm a, I'm a little late are a little behind on the tournament. So let me give you the participants. Okay. Okay. Before you do that, go ahead. Who is there? uh, Is there a gimmick to the, for the winner? Are there just going to be called a the continental classic? Okay. So Eddie Kingston, who is both ring of honor world champion 
and New Japan champion is putting both of his belts up. So the, the winner in the tournament. So okay. the winner of the tournament oh, will okay. will have a New Japan belt, the Ring of Honor World Championship, and this new Continental Classic champion. They're going to be called all three of them. Oh, Now, it seemed to me that this thing was created for Brian Danielson. It seems like knowing that he's going to be leaving or re- re- he says he's going to retire next year. Yes. Um, so... <laughs> It's pretty obvious, and he, he he's slowed down a lot since coming over here. And he's been hurt a few different times. I yeah. think some of it. I love Brian Danielson, but some of it has to do with. You, so, sometimes there are wrestlers like him. There are athletes like him that are so driven. They want to do such a great job, but they need to be controlled a little bit, right? Because he's willing to do things that, you know, maybe in WWE they wouldn't let him do. Probably for his own good, or 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 maybe even selfishly for WWE. Hey, Brian, we want you to be able to be on TV more often. We want you to be able to wrestle more often. If you do that in that one match, you're going to be able to have less matches. So what what's concerning to me right now is that if this was created for Brian Danielson, here are our uh, our participants. Okay. Group the Blue League. So there's two Blue League, Gold League. Blue League is Brian Danielson, Andrade, Brody King, Claudio Castagnoli, Eddie Kingston, Daniel Garcia. I okay, mean, stop. just okay. Stop right there. Okay, so your 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 morning line favorite, your betting favorite for the Blue Division winner is Brian Danielson. Has to be odds on chalk. Because okay, who's, who's who's second? Because the first name that sticks out to me that has no business being in there is just like you put a fifty to one horse in this field just to make the race go has to be Brody King. Yeah. And I think it's just so you have a big man, right? Sure. I think they do it. So in that group, there's a big man that has every, everyone has to have a big man match, right? Cause they'll all, they they will all in this group wrestle each other. That's another thing too, right? It's not. So there's five matches then because there's one, two, three, four, five, six people. So you're going to have, is that right? A winner no, more matches than that. Yeah, so the winner of this tournament will have wrestled seven matches. Oh, so that's okay. what I'm saying was a little bit scary to me about like a Brian Danielson in this tournament. Oh man, that's a lot. They set yeah. they set the tournament up, and he's not healthy. He's not cleared yet. He wasn't last week. They he had an eye patch on. He was standing <laughs> next to Tony Khan, and they were announcing the tournament, and he looked like beat up. And it's like Brian Danielson's the first participant in this tournament. What? He's got an iPad. Like he looks like a pirate. I so, but just <laughs> in just looking at that and in seeing this tournament, I felt like Brian Danielson's not going to get to go wrestle, do the G one in New Japan, which is something he wanted. There are probably a lot of things because of some of these injuries that he's not going to get to do. He, I'm sure he sat down with Tony Khan and they like, hey, let's do this. We'll create this tournament. It'll be great for you. And either he wins or he loses in the final is what I would say. I think you're going to get the most amount of Brian Danielson matches that he is physically able to do. Okay. That's, that's what I would say. So I think okay. he wins this group because honestly, okay. Andrade, Brody, yeah. Claudio, Garcia. I just don't know why guys, Daniel Garcia's in it. Well, like they'll, they'll all have good matches, but my, Fine, my sure, concern is sure. none of them have been pushed on none. dynamite recently, like major players. None. Claudio sure hasn't. He's 
in a tag team and we we I was talking to my buddy uh the other day. When's the last time you've heard him like talk? He doesn't oh, even man. cut promos. You know what I mean? Like sure. he's there was something on the Ring of Honor TV to build up the match with Eddie Kingston, but when's the last time we've seen him just cut a promo on Dynamite? You know, on something. It just it doesn't happen. So that group, while I think we'll have many good matches, it's got to be Brian Danielson and probably Eddie Kingston as the two that make it. Because I think Eddie Kingston will go far because he's got those belts too. Okay. Right. So I could see those two guys being like one and two coming out of this bracket. Because I think the fi- the top two from each group move on. So I'm saying Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston. Now the next group looks way more balanced, I thought. Uh, you've got John Moxley, Swerve Strickland, Mark Briscoe, Jay Lethal, uh, and Jay White. Oh, wow. So, I mean, just at least between Moxley, Swerve, Jay White, those guys have all been prominent on Dynamite for the last couple months, right? Like, they've had big roles for a while. So, I think the three of those guys you could you could see. And I think this would be a really good opportunity to keep going with Swerve, right? After he's so catching you, all the buzz. Who's, who's the favorite? Who are you booking as the favorite in that gold gold league, gold division, whatever? I mean, I'd say Moxley's the slight favorite. I'd put really? Swerve as the second choice. Man, I'd, put, I'd go with I'd definitely go with Swerve. And, yeah. and, and I, I'm not being ugly here, but Mark Briscoe? I again, the the concern I have with this is like he just out of no, he hasn't been on your TV at all. You haven't brought him back. He's been a Ring of Honor guy. Then you put him in a match two weeks ago against Jay White for a chance at the AEW title. Out of nowhere. And now, like, it, th- this is like the inconsistency that I've had. Yeah. I would, like, all of these guys are good and with the right type of, so or, or like, here's my my... Because uh, yeah, because I'm looking at something here, Gino. Moxley and Briscoe is the first one of the first matches tonight. We tonight. know Moxley's going over in that. It's got to so be Moxley, right? Sure, so then, right. And uh, based on what these guys like, Moxley's he's a good guy to have in the mix because he's just well respected in the company. He's done a really good yeah, job. I, I think pro- I don't have a problem either. with that. I don't think I, he wins it, but I think he's a guy you probably have in the final four. You know, like just to to establish it. Um, and are we putting ROH guy history guys in there because there is an ROH world title? Yeah, the they mentioned he's probably so. Well, so the a little bit of what I watched earlier today on the uh, when they were announcing some of these, Tony Khan and Shivani were talking, and Tony Khan said that this is very important to Brian Danielson because he's always wanted to have a new Japan title. Brian Danielson was one of the Ring of Honor world champions, and so he's so they're they're building this like it's for Brian Danielson. I could absolutely see. Brian Danielson versus Swerve, and Man, Swerve. If, if you really, really, and really Swerve win, something Swerve have. I, I, I would. I, I, man, I'd really book Swerve. That's how I do it. That's how, how I would Swerve, do it. He's the hottest of of both divisions right now. Hundred percent, and that, and that's a good way for us to lead into a little bit of a full gear and the pay per view that came off of last well, weekend. Let's just talk about his match first, Gino. Yes, because that's exactly <laughs> no perfect. Because that's what I, that's exactly what I was going to do. Because that was the match that was. The best, the the most polarizing as well, because I mean, there's spots in the match where Hangman Page is drinking his blood. Oh my god! That it just in no 
What we know nowadays and just with like the era of like diseases and all sorts of stuff, I'm not saying either of these guys, I'm sure they're tested and clean and everything. But to me, that like thinking about me doing that, because I think about like, man, I always like, man, I would want to be in a wrestling match or what would I do? Or I would, you know, if I got in a match, I would be willing to, to put my body on the line. I would never do something like that. No, that is just disgusting. I don't care if both were cleared with medicals. That's I mean, disgusting. in a hospital setting, sure, I'm donating blood, but not that way, like a mama bird and baby bird. That is disgusting. <laughs> and in man. in the staples and even like the really hardcore stuff, I like I, it makes me a little squeamish sometimes. It's uh, not my style, right? Yeah. But I at least understand when guys are willing to like want to hurt each other or do things like that the drinking of the blood thing is just gross to me it's like what do you do like well i don't think that fits into the match at no all. no and it, and it, and it honestly i had with that i mean it doesn't I'm not fit into, in to their that. characters either no, like it doesn't no. fit into hey, man, about it's not the undertaker right or, or someone brood. like that no <laughs> so the, everything violent that they did i thought was i thought that it was a match that was fitting for it. I have a problem when Moxley is bleeding on the opening match of a random oh, dynamite. Sure, you know, sure. when it's like when Flair there's tying a, up, just collar and elbow, and there's already blood, right? Right, like that to me, <laughs> it makes you care less about the blood in a match like this. I think this was the match where the guy home invaded you. He was standing over your kids, right? So this is, and these two guys have had an awesome feud back and forth, and. Um, I'm, I will say I'm only, it was a great match. I, 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 we got to mention that spot because like, that is a cringy, that is a spot that is polarizing enough to even with a great match, that's going to make some people turn that off and never want to watch it again. Well, it was the longest match on the card by about 10 or 15 seconds, right? About 30 minutes. And AEW is notorious for doing these Texas death matches. So where do you go from here in a, in the next Texas death match? That's I know, like, how do you raise the bar? This yeah. this match was on, and and no hyperbole. We get a we get a, a lot of hyperbole in this day and age with people, especially people wanting to like defend AEW. Sure, sure. I will say this match was one of the most intense matches and really well done in that sense that you're gonna see. I, I tr- like, you know, and we critique a lot of the stuff they do because look at how much more impactful a match can be. When they had a good build up to it. Look, yeah. look at that. Look, we're talking about it. We're praising it. We're talking about Swerve needs to be the guy. I, I will even say, I actually kind of feel bad for Hangman right now because this is like the best version of Hangman that we've seen recently. He's like way more passionate, way more intense. And now he's going to have to kind of go back to this like brooding have to kind of come from the bottom up again maybe get like a little emotional whereas i think like this badass hangman has been really cool but you had these two guys somebody had to lose and it was no doubt the moment for swerve oh yeah yeah you i i mean you you were spot on in in this booking um i i I think most wrestling fans thought swerve that's why i think it's if you're going to come from out of a spot like this and do it over one of the pillars uh, of AEW, which is Adam Hangman Page, who arguably, arguably we thought should be should have been the first AEW World Champion, but wasn't. 
that's why I think Swerve has all the momentum and should be the winner of this new tournament. I think Swerve, uh, honestly, should win the tournament and then go beat MJF. I really do. 100%. I don't MJF think he loses between now and, and then. Come and gone. I, I, it, it, let's, let's, let's move into this MJ, MJF. Yep. Let's talk about the main. Okay, why well, the whole show, first off. Was, was this weird that going never, into it was odd? I've never seen anything like the way they did for a pay-per-view. They've got a free pre-show where they have MJF and Samoa Joe team up. They defeat the guns. Then MJF gets beat up. They tease that he's not going to be in the main event. First off, what the hell? Like, how would that even, how would that make sense for like a real sports company? I can kind of get okay with it in a tag team match. If one of your part, if one person is there and they need to find someone to help them defend the belts or if they do the New Day gimmick or the Freebirds gimmick where the third one can fill in, I can I can kind of get there. I still don't love it. Dude, I cannot get okay with Adam if they would have let Adam Cole defend the title for MJF. First of all, wh- how would that have made any sense? What like what what so that that's the first thing that bothers me. The second thing, we, what we're gonna bring up, Adam Cole's medically cleared. <laughs> like th- this whole gimmick is about how MJF is hurt or he can't go. Adam Cole's hobbling around on crutches. And Britt Britt Brit Baker is- was fire on Twitter. This oh man my- can't even unload the dishwasher. She said, oh, he can't stand up for five seconds, but he's going to wrestle a match. She was funny, man. And she was great. And she was sort of like, it, she should have been on commentary yes. saying those things, right? Yes. It, was, it was sort of like the common sense person where when you when you have someone on your show making fun of it, it actually makes it better. Yeah. Right? Sure. It makes it seem like it's real. you guys are in on the joke. You yes. understand. If they thought we were going to take this seriously, I I have no problem with I like I just said I love the entertainment in wrestling. I love the storyline. I I like the idea of trying to do things, but on a pay-per-view, actually teasing the fact that people who bought it or people who bought tickets to go to the show live were not going to see a certain main event and but and then like making us believe that we were going to see Adam Cole in the main event, hobbled the way he was. And then even the whole match was, it was way more of a WWE type of thing than they've ever wanted to do. And they've ever said they were going to do. And I think MJF, he's doing fine as a babyface, but he's like, now it's going too far. He was bawling, crying after yeah. in the, yeah. you know, in the, in like tears and, I just what did you feel, think of the match itself with Jay White? It was fun. I, it wasn't bad. Like Jay's fine. Jay's more of like Jay's not a high flyer. He's more of a technician himself. So his matches are always a little slower in building, and he he does more heel work. That's always why I thought he reminds me of like when Triple H was a heel. Triple H. Yeah, that's sort you. of like the way Jay White works his main event matches. You know, um, it was. It was fine. It just didn't feel it didn't feel at all like an AEW main event. I mean, coming out of this show, 
it 100% felt like Swerve and Paige was the main event. That's the oh, one everyone's yeah. talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. and man, now I just don't know with um with MJF, I feel like they got stuck because of the Adam Cole thing. Like I think they did the Adam Cole and MJF as friends. They ended up going longer with that than they were initially going to because it was popular, people liked it. Then Adam Cole got hurt and now they've been trying to sort of wait Continue with that And it's not helped MJF it's just Again I'm not saying what he's doing is awful But he went from feeling like He was an A an A minus Every time he was on the show And now I'm like yeah C plus You know and you know, what, you know what's crazy we went from a Maybe earlier this year Maybe maybe it was the summer Maybe it was earlier this year it doesn't matter um, Being The guy that was cutting promos and telling you he was leaving this company and was going to WWE. The war of 2024. Right? And, man, we're just so far removed from that version of MJF. That's uh, Look, I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just saying, again, we've said it. We may not say a lot of things that people agree with, and which is fine. That's That's why you have these type of of conversations, right? Is to get people mad, angry, upset, agree, different points. But man, uh, MJF stock has, it's just cold. I mean, I would sell it right now if, if. Cause I was thinking I about, had, I was thinking about this, like the problem that he's had now is. Is it winning the title? W- well, it's, you know, th- this reminds me of when Brian Danielson goes full heel. Okay. It's okay. It's that I believe you, MJF. Like you can be a baby face and you can be a fine baby face, but do you want to just be a baby face that's like every other baby face? You know that like he feels so watered down to me now. Like he just feels like another good guy. I in my head I was watching the, the last couple of days of stuff and I was thinking like if you were to take this character right now and put him into the WWE. He's not. He's not interesting. Yeah. He's. It's funny because right now him and the Miz are trying to do are doing like the exact same thing, kind of. You know, like the Miz. I, I'm not. And I don't know the Miz. I'm not saying the Miz saw MJF turn babyface, but they're both these two like schmarmy heels that have been compared to each other. And right now they're both doing the babyface gimmick. And even with the Miz, it's like. With Miz it's different because it's like he's earned This respect now After being a heel for so long MJF Like if he were to show up somewhere else And just be this baby face I don't think People would get behind him As much He's just so much more interesting and so much better As a heel Do you want to be a C or do you want to be like An A plus tippity tippity top Brian Danielson You can be a heel you can go out there and you can stretch people and lock them in submissions, but would you rather be that or would you rather be one of the best baby faces in the history of the WWE? <laughs> you know, like it's that's my concern. Um, just rattling through a few of the other stuff that was on the uh, the full gear show. We had a couple pre-show matches. Kingston held on to that Ring of Honor Championship. Claudio beat Buddy Matthews. We had the six-man tag. 
Flair, don't tell me we're going to see Flair in a match. Please. Oh He's bumping out there. He's bumping. He, you know, the old Christian spoke to the eye low blow that he did on Christian 20 years ago. Come on, yep. man. <laughs> I know. I know. And here's the thing. So Sting, Darby, and Copeland get the oh. win over Christian, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne. But here's what's crazy. Is there, like, any buzz around Adam Copeland right now anymore? No, zero. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, it needed to be brought up because we forgot about him. Like, none. He, none. He, he had on, face paint on, which I thought it was a little weird, but okay, I get it. You're on a team. This, this, this sure. thing thing. And it, yeah. I'm sure he is – I'm sure he had fun with that. He oh, was out sure. there in a match yeah. with Flair, w- with his buddy Christian. He's got – you know, or he's flares in the corner. He's wrestling his buddy Christian. Cool stuff all over. I'm not saying that these guys aren't enjoying themselves. Brian Danielson, this is what he wants to do. He could have been in WWE. Adam Copeland, this is what he wants to do. But I would say the same thing about any athlete who like decided that maybe they wanted to go to a team that wasn't going to win as much. Right or like it's it sort of so like, like hey, that. you made it to the NFL. Welcome to the Carolina Panthers organization. <laughs> yeah, it's like nah, I don't want to go play for the Lakers or the Celtics. I'm fine playing for the Hornets. You know, I'm just gonna <laughs> sit over here and get my twenty. But it, it and it's not. It's there's something sort of weird to it. Um, that like we we're not even talking about him or this match at all coming out of this show. He on the last episode of Dynamite, he didn't. He wasn't on there. Yeah. I think we talked about this last week. We did. We did. There was no mention of him. So then he's on Rampage and Collision, right? On Friday night, which they had. Apparently no one watched. Record lows for both. 270,000 people, (sighs) which was career lows. So now all of a sudden you're putting him almost exclusively on a show that's getting three and a half times less viewers than your Dynamite show. it's all of a sudden it's like, what? Where's Copeland? We're like, what's going on? Um, yeah, they, it, that's just a bummer. Big win for Orange Cassidy. I'm glad they let him get the victory there. That was good for him. He picked it yeah, up over yeah. Moxley, and it's not going to hurt Moxley at all. Like, Moxley's fine. He's completely, like, bulletproof there. Timeless Tony Storm, they ran with that. Good call on their yeah. part there too, right? So they uh, they go with that. And then, like, the tag team division, this is another one that just feels, like, really out of sight, out of mind. You know? Rick Starks and Big Bill. Do you do you remember when Starks was having the feud with MJF? I do. And he was really over? And we're like, damn, it's almost too much too soon for Starks because then where do you go with this guy after? Yeah. And then they turned him heel, which I thought was kind of weird. He had some stuff with CM Punk. And now... This guy has been on collision for a couple months. Him, FTR, Copeland, all of them, they're trying to use them. Malachi Black, like they're trying to use them to draw people to collision. Newsflash, it's not working. No. No, it's not. No, and it's, not. it's hurting them. It's hurting your company, and it's hurting some of your top talent because you're forcing them onto these shows where only 300,000 people are watching them. And now you and me... Who are people who cover wrestling, who pay attention to all these shows, but don't even have the time always to be watching Collision. It it feels like if we are not watching that show, we're never going to see Ricky Starks or Edge. They don't even give us a 
video package is and let us know what's been going on. You know, um, as we sit here uh, talking about Full Gear, right? Um, and then the shows, the ratings, the MJFs, the Adam Copelands, the Stings, the Ric Flairs, the Christians. What, you know, we talked about Swerve, Hangman Page, which was the biggest buzz of, the, of that card. Um, but nothing else coming out of this card had buzz. Nothing. No. So going nothing. into it, you and I started, we were out and about on Friday in what happened? Ronda Rousey appears on Ring of Honor. Oh, Ring of Honor. And of now, all places. On, now, wait on a minute. It. Are you telling me, Gino? Okay. So first and foremost, there's a reason why it was quietly, she was let go with WWE. Apparently, there was uh, not much of a competition, non-compete uh, clause in that contract when they separated, okay? Why would you have her debut on Ring of... Now, look, I'll give you this. It was a buzz Friday night, but I, I, I promise you this. Nobody's Smackdown talking about it now. Good. No, SmackDown was one of the best Smack, the wrestling SmackDowns we've seen. Monday Night Raw was one of the best Monday Night Raw wrestling backgrounds. Once we got into full gear and definitely got into the Texas Death Match, no one is talking about Ronda Rousey. But I just, why, why would you, you have do her appear at Ring of Honor? Why? 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 I, have, I have no problem with her wrestling no, in Ring of Honor once, no, once she's no. been on your show a few times, right? Like, if this is a story she wants to do, she wanted to go help her friend, right? Shafir, that's her friend. She was in a tag match with her friend to try to help get her friend over. If that's what Ronda wants to do... Great See, for Ronda. Er, er, cool. Er, she can use her er, star power. Just because it wasn't earlier this week, or it was she did last an indie weekend. show. She did an indie show in like Chicago or whatever, which is fine. That's cool. with a friend against Billy Kay and Billy Stark. Athena broke her neck. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah. That was oh. Just so, took an ugly bump. But there was just zero build to this. Why, why surprise why people it, in an arena that's being taped? And what's so crazy is that like for because you because Gino, you and I, you and I both know. There's we you can count. I, I don't know, but there's not a lot of people run into ringofhonor.com and subscribe Absolutely. To that to whatever watch that. whatever that did, it was nothing to move the needle. Whereas no. you could have had her show up at a surprise on Dynamite and then promoted her for the next week. You could have promoted her or have everything her you do Tony on Storm social media. Have, Promote have her, her on attack. social media. Like yeah, or have her attack one of the champions after a match. It does anything to get her on your TV to where, even if she's not the same Ronda Rousey like she was six, eight, ten years ago before she went to the WWE, she still got some. She still got some. She's got the name recognition. Look, and she's, she's going to go gonna down get... as one of the best ever female athletes of all time across the board. And people, if even if they're not fans of her, would have tuned in to see what was happening, how she was going to be used, what was it like. So you would have gotten a bump, which I is so think, funny. I, I think it's it, it really has come more clearly to me that I think AEW is into let's blow up Twitter social or X social media now and let's live for this moment and not worry about the long, long lasting effect. And, and, and actually, that is the wrong way to go business wise. Business-wise, it makes no sense at all. Build for her, promote her, talk about her, and then let her do the stuff with her friends. Just say, hey, Rhonda, we'll absolutely let you do whatever you want to do with with your friends. We'll help. You can get in match. Let's just 
have something for you right off the bat. Let's have you come in here with a little bit of fire. Come in here. Nope. So for a guy who over who makes it seem like every small little minuscule announcement about pre-sale tickets going on sale is a massive deal. He has two wrestlers that I actually think are big deals and he downplays both of them, Ronda and then the Osprey thing, which is one of the weirdest <laughs> things I've ever seen in my life because he says first off like like you said Half the people out there already thought Osprey was in AEW, I, I, including me, including, including you, me. including like a lot of people. So people that write recaps and write ups, they already thought he had some sort of major relationship with AEW. Okay, he doesn't. So he was just doing stuff, kind of freelance or for, for New Japan. But the way they announced it, like this guy's a total pro. The AEW fans will love him. Will Osprey's a massive star. Like, WWE had interest in him, too. One of the reasons why he didn't even really think about going to WWE was the schedule. With AEW, they said they're going to allow him to still live in the UK. That's crazy, man. Like, how is, so how is that going to happen? Like, is he, what type of schedule is he going to be on? If so, you know, and why announce it right now when he's not even going to be doing anything for you for, like, two months? And, and, and let me tell you this, those who are left to enjoy New Japan, uh, if you don't think Tony Khan hasn't destroyed New Japan, I mean, he's taken most of their people, he's taking their tournaments, I mean, this tournament is basically what, that G1 tournament, right? I read that's our, our one of the podcast guys were- exactly. Were talking, you know, where this tournament coming up was, was stealing the G1, I, I just- I, I don't know. And it seems like he tried to do it. Look, and I'm not going off. I, I am. I'm going off on a Tony Khan. This, this is Go ahead. Look, going off script, Gino. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, Go I, ahead. This, this, Got this the is mic. A lot of work. There's, this is a lot of work. The shoot. He tried to do this with, with TNA. He tried to destroy TNA and he, and, and he damn near did. We don't remember that. Do we I remember know. that? I know he did. And, and, and look, New Japan's not all really on the radar here in the United States. It, you know, they've held some events here over the last couple of years it's not anything big it is in in japan and it's it's basically nothing now i just don't get still to this day how, how many years has this company been uh, going on four four close to five and we're just still continuing to make the look you got the deep pocketbooks there there comes a point in time where you go okay we're doing it wrong and 2024 may be uh, look, they've already seen a dwindling TV audience, a dwindling live audience. Uh, it's it's the it, like look, the Kenny, the Omegas, and the Young Bucks of the world. It's we don't even really talk about them much in AEW. No, and and there's you can be a wrestling fan, you can have great intentions and great ideas, but if sure. you when it comes to running a company, growing a company building storylines, putting on a week-to-week television product, right? Like, New Japan doesn't do that, right? Like, they have a different way of promoting shows. Like, mo- a lot of companies, you know, independent companies and stuff that they they don't have weekly TV. You know, there's, there's – and so that's sort of what Tony Khan, it almost feels like he's grown up on or what has wanted, that format. So it's it's like he's trying to do – Something 
that doesn't work for a U.S. television audience as well. You know, there are just some things that you have to do to grow that, and they haven't unfortunately done it here. Um, shout out to Chris Jericho though, who's got a Christmas movie coming out because my mom just <laughs> sent me, my mom sent me a picture and said, uh, "This is good. which wrestler is this? He's in this movie that I just saw a commercial for. It's like on. Is it's it like, Ernest Does Christmas Part Two? <laughs> no, but it's it's funny. It's like a it's like a Hallmark country. I think it's like a country music television Christmas movie. Awesome. So yeah, it's uh shout out to Jericho who will will be watching in some Christmas movies coming soon. Um Coop, yeah, I'm, <laughs> Jericho, he, he he's great. I think that's why he had to put on a little bit of weight for uh something. <laughs> why he did. Yeah, I think so. Santa Claus? Fingers, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, that was uh that was AEW and everything that's been going on with them. Dynamite's coming up later tonight, so we'll talk about next week everything that's gone on in uh, it, with Dynamite and with these first round and the first couple of these tournament matches. But Coop, we will preview Survivor Series coming My favorite. up. Next. Love some Survivor Series. I started watching some of the old ones Me too. where you have all the uh, the old school elimination matches, which I always thought were funny because. You'd have guys just like get eliminated by a clothesline, <laughs> you know, yeah, just to get them out, just to get them out quick. It's like, well, that never got someone pinned before, but like, let's just get them out of the ring right now. So <laughs> that always that always made me laugh. But um, do you so- have an all time fa- uh, like n- not a match? Do do you have an all time favorite Survivor Series card top to bottom that just comes to mind? Because I have one and I rewatched it this week. Okay, tell me which one's yours. So, and it's not because of the debut, um, but but you know I, I think of Survivor Series as the holiday wrestling because it it did it was it was the it was Thanksgiving it was Thanksgiving absolutely yep. so I go back to high school probably freshman maybe sophomore and I go back to what the third or fourth one 1990 yeah uh, that's the one now look that's the one it, it, it just the reason why I liked it is because every match was a Survivor Series styles match. And then then they had the ultimate Survivor match. And you did. And which, of course, the good guys won. But you really did. If you look back on this card, uh, the poster alone gives me chills. I just like the way it was set up. I mean, look. The teams all fit, right? Like, that's the coolest Uh, part. Dude, I mean, who would have thought the Undertaker... Hawk and Animal and the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich would be on a team. You know, the million dollar team, you know, the visionaries. It was just a solid top to bottom. Now, more recently, Gino, one of my favorite ones, um, I, I go back, uh, what, 2013 or 14. Um, it was just really good because the main. The Survivor Series elimination match, Team Cena versus Team Authority, it had a big, big gimmick on was the that end. That Ziggler, up, right? that was Ziggy. And, and if if Cena's team would have lost, Cena was fired. And if the Authority won or and the Authority lost, they're being removed from power. And we got to see Ziggler come back in the main and three on one. Yep. Right. And just dude made a run. It was just. It was a really, really fun match and really good and a lot of good wrestling. Um, But again, it's just, 
I, I go back to Survivor Series as being that Thanksgiving night tradition. I really remember 1990. I remember Hakeem Slick, I, you know, uh, Nikolai Volkov, uh, or yeah, Nikolai Volkov went, uh, went babyface and Slaughter was all, you know, went, went the other way. We just, uh, I was, was just watching the one with Fuji where he turned on Demolition. He went with the oh, powers of yeah, pain. That was so one. Yeah, we get 92 so was where, you know, it kind of, the, the the company had flipped because at, at that point, that was when all the steroid stuff happened. Oh, so, yeah. So, Brett, yeah. 92, the main event is Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels for the championship in 92. Ooh, wow. I didn't even think young, about that. Young Brett, young Shawn, people, like, sleep on this match. It's like a 25-minute match, and it's awesome, those two guys. But they're like the real built main event of that show because that was when it was supposed to be Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior versus Flair and Razor Ramon. And then Warrior got fired, and they did the Mr. Perfect uh, babyface turn. Oh, and Mr. Yeah, Perfect, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Macho yeah. Man, it, he turned on Flair. Um, 94, you've got uh, Undertaker when he opens up the jacket. Uh, or that, that's night, the next year, do you remember he opened? Because they, uh, they needed another, uh, the foreign fanatics. Took out one oh, of the members of the U.S. team. Fanatic. Yes, they take <laughs> out one of the members of the U.S. team. So Luger's got to go find someone. He goes and gets the Undertaker, and the Undertaker opens up his jacket, and he's got the red, white, and blue yes. line in yes. the jacket. That yes. one was just awesome. That um, was really good. You got 96. That was when Bret Hart was thinking about going to WCW. And he was gone at WrestleMania. He loses to Shawn Michaels. He's gone all the way from WrestleMania to Survivor Series. Vince gives him the big 20-year contract. Stone Cold calls him out. And we get Brett versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, 96, of uh, like six months before they have one of the most memorable WrestleMania matches of all time. And also, 1996, the debut... Of Rocky Maivia. Oh, wow. Watching that. Dude, Chad, it's funny talking to you about this. I swear (laughs) I was nine years old. I remember in my mom and dad's room because they had the black box. So I could watch every paper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The black box was great. Oh, man. So every. So my entire life. I watched every. That's why one of the reasons why I'm such a, fan, a big fan too. I watched every pay per view forever. I WWF. I never had to pay for them. They were sure. always right there. So I, I I was always able to just go in my parents' room and watch them. And I remember my dad. He's a wrestling. He wrestled and he's a wrestling coach. So he would sort of roll his eyes a lot at WWE when I would watch through the years. But he actually <laughs> would enjoy some of the like the athletic stuff or some of the big matches. And he would watch when he was young. But I remember we're watching the match, uh, Survivor Series 96, and you could just hear them talking about, oh, this guy, he's a blue chipper, man. This is going to be the man. This guy's going to be the man right here. And it was Rocky Maivia. He was on a team. It was Jake Jake the Snake, Mark Marrow, Rocky Maivia, and the stalker. You know who the stalker was? Oh, no. Who? Barry Windham. No! 
Yes. The Repo Man. No, not Barry Wendell. That was uh, Barry uh, Darso. One Darso, of the but Wyndham. Barry Wyndham. WCW, NWA Wyndham was actually Yeah, he was, in, he was in the Four Horsemen at one time. Yes, 100%. And he was here for a tiny run. He was known as the Stalker. That was his name. They, they were on a team against Crush, Goldust, Jerry Lawler, and Triple H. That was the match. Wow. It, and The Rock was down. Um, I think it was like one of those where it was three on one. And he came back and he eliminates Crush and eliminates Goldust. And he goes on to win. And it was like, uh, then they put, the, they put the IC title on him really quickly. And that was when he bombed. We started hearing oh, yeah. the Rocky sucks. Rocky oh, sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wanted to see him because he was this baby face that was just shoved down our throats. But 96, Rocky Maivia. How about two years later, you get the – so he debuts in 96. 97, we don't even Did talk about Did he debut with the, the Nation of Domination or no? No, he debuted as the baby face. He had okay, the blue – That's right. I mean, he returned. On, um, 90, oh, yeah. yeah that, then when he, he had that – that Hawaiian gimmick kind exactly. of like the Polynesian. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's it. Polynesian. That's it. And then um, Survivor 97 is the screw job. Night. We did, you know, kind of lost right over that one. <laughs> <laughs> Two years after he debuts, 1998, it's the deadliest game tournament, and The Rock is your new champion. And he's a heel at the end. He turns heel. Uh, Vince McMahon's holding his hand up. And he raises his hand at the end, and The Rock stands tall. Just two years after his debut, he's your heel world champion with Vince McMahon. That's '98. Yeah, those were those are some bread and butter years. Dude, yeah, and it's just it was just so good. And you know, doing you know going back and looking at the history of Survivor Series, there were like three or four Survivor Series pay per views where there were no Survivor Series style matches. It didn't feel. And, and now, and in, now, including like the, what a couple of years ago we didn't. And now, as we go into this this big event this weekend, are you okay with the war games element? Because we saw war games with it last year, correct? Yeah, I don't. I personally have mentioned this throughout. I'm not as big a fan of like war games matches. Um, no, 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 no. I'd overall, overall, a, or like blood and gut stuff. Overall. I, I don't like when a match has like a timer before it starts. That that to me is something that's like you gotta kind of wait. But I will say that I like the fact that they they're gonna brand it this way from now on. Survivor Series, you're gonna have the War Games thing. Like that's gonna be your thing for Survivor Series. I like that because it did feel like this show that used to have an identity lost its identity for a while. Sure. And now at least you have an identity. And you can use this with these War Games matches to build a bunch of stuff coming out of it, moving towards the Royal Rumble and moving towards, you know, 2024. And I think there's only five matches carded for the show. I would love one traditional Survivor Series match, either on the pre-show or one that they can maybe announce on Friday to have just one of them on the card, like an elimination style match with some guy. That that would just be fun for, uh, you know, just nostalgia. But so we look. We still have a. We still have a SmackDown. SmackDown. Right. So no LA night here. No LA night here. Um, okay. I, we don't. We're not going to get Reigns. What about none of the other Bloodline? Kevin Owens. Oh, hey, there's a hot rumor that CM Punk shows up uh, this weekend. It's a hey, Rosemont, Illinois, which is yep. basically Chicago. 
So that's what they did on Monday. They made sure to announce that Randy Orton was going to be here. So at least people aren't going to be expecting that to happen. True. No, there's no surprise. And what they did was actually saved Randy Orton. So that way he's going to show up there for the first time. So uh, there will be a good pop and a good reception for him. Yeah, look, and I think this match is going to be fantastic. Now, now I, I've looked at the odds and the the babies, the baby faces are are a slim favorite. But as in just future booking, we don't see Orton Cody Rhodes this soon feud, right? I, I see Orton and look as we went off Raw Monday night. I know I'm jumping again. All Please, over the place, right? Go ahead. As Cody Rhodes made that, you know, made that announcement as Raw going off, what great camera work did we see? The look on Jay Uso's face. Oh, man. So So something could happen in that match, but I do like the fact that there's some cracks in the foundation with the Judgment Day because I still like the booking, the fantasy booking that you and I talked ourselves into last week. I want to see Damian Priest go face eventually. I want, and I'm not saying Drew McIntyre is going to take his spot because I don't think he is. But there's some foundations there. But I, I think the faces win here. But I think Jay ultimately is going to turn here pretty quick, and him and Orton are going to go at it. I, I don't want to see Cody and, and Orton just this soon yet. So what's cool is that, like you mentioned, you got Orton and Jay, the dynamic there. You've got Orton and Rollins have a history. Yeah. Together, yeah, they do, and then Orton and Cody, obviously, where it feels like I could see I Orton, think we're and Cody. Get to Orton and Cody. Me too. Eventually. I think I think that's either the 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 match right before WrestleMania for Cody, or, or right after. Right after, exactly. Right, I, either he wins the t- that would right be his, that would be his hot feud if he won from Reigns and and, and Orton and makes then, the turn then, or before to say. I have to prove to myself that I can beat you, yeah. my teacher or sure. my mentor, in order to get to Roman Reigns. You know, and that's like his final step. They have that match in like February or March at the pay per view before uh, WrestleMania. Um, but yeah, because man, that's so cool about you know you've got Cody Seth stuff, you've got Seth and Randy stuff, then you've got all the stuff now with uh, Drew. On the judgment, Drew said, I'm out here and I deserve a microphone. I'm not Dominic, right? He just calls out Dominic, too. So it's like, Drew's not. I love it. Me, too. I love it. And and Drew has his own issues with the judgment day. So this this should be really good and this should spark a bunch of stuff. Whatever directions it goes, there's a billion ways it could. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. And let's talk about the women's one also. Yeah. We've got Bianca, Charlotte, Shotzi, and they get Becky for their team. Did you think think they were going uh, with Jade this one? Were you surprised? I I did not think it was going to be Becky. Now, I would not be surprised if Jade, like, shows up. I could see her – somebody said this. I could see her showing up, like, ripping the cage off. And then laying out Becky or someone in the heels. Yeah, I gotta have damage control win this. Gotta have damage control. I think so too. I think damage control wins, and then you push Bailey out. See, there's two things happening right now in both damage control and in um, the Judgment Day. I think we're gonna get to a Damian Priest babyface soon, and I think we're gonna get to a Bailey babyface soon. 
Love but it. But I but we got to be careful in how we do it because you they got to do something that makes us as a fan want to cheer for them. Like when the heel group just pushes you out, I hate when that's why it, someone becomes a babyface. <laughs> I got it's you. like your bad friends don't like you anymore, so now we're supposed to cheer for you. Yeah, like screw that. You've got to do something to turn on them to make all the fans go, okay, now we're supposed to cheer for you again. Because Bailey's been a heel for a while. Bailey will be would be good again as a babyface, I think. And it'll be a different Bailey where she's kind of funnier. She's got some comedy in her. She's not just like the yeah. We're baby not going to go back to the bubbly and the pigtail things, right? Or the ponytail thing, right? With her or do but, we? But I could see her. No, no, we definitely we don't. But what I would I could see is after she's a baby face, if she has like a big match at like WrestleMania, we got to get those wacky wavy and flavorful waving too man. When she comes down the thing, those waving things, I can see her. I can see her point to those waving things and the two man. Yeah, standing outside in the strip mall, those guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, I mean, these two matches are gonna take up. Like two hours of the show That's that's what ends up happening And on a, on a card where there's only Five matches carded There's like there's still 25 people on the show Because of these two Big matches and I think the same thing For the women that With Bianca and Charlotte And Becky on one side Where all of them have issues And then you've got Bailey, Asuka Eno, Kyrie. And the issues on their side, and then everything back and forth and crossing over. This should be a blast. And who takes the, who takes just, the pin here? Shotzi. 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 She's in there to take the pin, or, right? Or, She's in. Or, or do you have uh, somebody like Bianca? You know, there's been rumors Bianca maybe turning heel at at, at some point. Yeah. There's just different right. ways, different things to do here. I'd like to see a big star take a pin here. You don't have to protect everybody every match. No way. No Especially way! In a you not, not at all. Match you you can because a, then a it sets Blair, up Bianca. Yeah, even if like if you're gonna have the baby faces win, whoever pins, I I don't even mind it being Io because then that's your next challenger. Sure, right? I don't mind your champ your champ losing in this situation in a war games match like this. Like Io gets pinned. Okay, now Becky's gonna face Io, right? Or whoever pins her is the one that's going to face her. So. Just a lot of different things that can come out of these two matches. You've got tons of great in-ring talent and a lot of stories that are going to come come out of them. Like, I just compare this to, like, the tournament we were just talking about with AEW where they're going to try to have it be really based on the in-ring and not the story. Why not be both? Right. Like, look at these two matches. You can have story and in-ring. It's not. It doesn't have to be one or the other. They're not mutually exclusive. So, Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Stark. Zoe's, they've done a really good job with her. I kind of liked Zoe and and Shayna sneaking into the clubhouse. They were chilling in there. It just doesn't feel like anyone that they've presented for Rhea yet is on Rhea's level. I think they're doing that on purpose because they don't want Rhea to have any thoughts of losing this title yet. But until Rhea is in the ring with Bianca, Charlotte, Becky, I don't I just don't think she's going to lose or has any no, chance of no, losing unless no. it's like one of them. I think whatever I can't remember the exact morning line uh, the opening odds were here, but 
Um, no odds can be too high for this one. She, there's, there's no, no, no I, I don't, I, you don't bring Jade in here. You just have a, a look, we need to see Rhea work. You know, she's been involved with uh, judgment day and done a phenomenal job, uh, with them and Dominic. Uh, we need to see a good match here. We need to see a couple of false finishes. I'd like to see her put to the test. Zoe can go. Let's, let's not forget that. I just think it's going to be a, it, again, as we mentioned last week. Zoe has been put in Who's a the fans going to cheer? Yeah, she's. I know. You know they're gonna fans are going to cheer for Rhea, especially in Chicago. That 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 crowd's wild. Anyway, they they could immediately take over, and I just hope this this match gets its due, and the fans don't hijack it too bad because you know they're going to be all over mommy. They just are. She's she's it's man, and she deserves all the credit she's gotten for this character. She's this gimmick. She's worked. Carlito versus Santos Escobar. Man, Santos, Santos this is a, what a good promo, couple weeks for him. What a promo, dude. dude this was amazing. It, it was a career-making promo. It was like, it, it gives you goosebumps yes. to see because Santos carries himself like such a star with an NXT with Legato when we saw him as a heel He's so much better as a heel. He's so much better as a babyface. He's like nothing. He's like just sure. a good wrestler, a good wrestler, a good wrestler. any other guy. But as a heel, he just you feel it. Like he just he oozes. He gets presence. There's something about him that reminds me of like like early Razor Ramon. You know, like, I like, that. Re- I like the that. presence of it um, when he comes off heel and just like the way he is and. Man, the the only thing that's a little as, coming into the pay per view right now is like, so he turned on everybody, and <laughs> even his own guys stuck with Mysterio, like his yeah. own Legato guys. So yeah. it's basically him lined up against like Carlio, Legato, Zelina, Ray. You feel like he's gonna either need to add, yeah, like. No Either way, he, his no guys, way. Legato. Is this, a mo- is this a moment for Carlito? No way, not after that promo Friday night. No, is this no, the no, payback no. For I think Carlito's no. here just to get beat. I hope so, because I'm I, I mean, Santos. Santos is all, I like Carlito, always like that gimmick. Me too. Apple. I spin in the fit. I, I just, I do. Man, after Friday night, I, I, I really want to hate Santos. Look, I hope you get an, your leg gets an infection, or I hope too. you get an infection in the hospital, so they cut your leg off. Dude, that was some serious heat he took last Friday. Don't ever come back. <laughs> it was brutal. And he's not scared of being a heel. It wasn't no. like play it no. safe heel. But it wasn't, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything offensive. You no, know what I mean? It wasn't like the, it, that, the really that, dirty stuff that sometimes. No, 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 sure. And I could feel it. You, you know I what I mean? Like it, it wasn't it was going really to offend groups of people. It was personal. It was good. It makes you hate him, but it wasn't like calling out a nationality or something for cheap heat. You know what I mean? Like it was like a real well done story and shout out Santos run with him right now, run with Santos and build him up for the match with Ray. If Ray's healthy enough. Um, what did he say? Dominic was right. <laughs> Dominic was right. He said that. I, it, <sighs> And I, I I don't remember where I heard it, but they should have had a, a camera, a, like a live cam of Dominic at that moment, just smiling and like nodding his head. You know, like Dominic just loving what Santos was saying. Um, this was good. 
This was really well done. And how about the match that I can't believe a lot of people are discussing and so many people would have never said they would have been interested in this type of a match. Oh, Miz man. versus Gunther. Dude. This, dude. We talk dude. about promos with Santos. Gunther in Gunther. the last... <gasps> dude, not only were you bullied as a in kid... In the last month... That's why no one respects you, Mike, because you've been bullied as a professional wrestler in this locker room. What? That's... Oh, my God, dude. This Just, dude is a rocket. Wow. In the presence that he has now, I didn't know this guy would ever be. I never, never knew he would be comfortable the way that he is. Like, he is. No, man. This is unbelievable. He carries these segments. He can do, like, a little bit of comedy now when he does the stuff with Kaiser and Vinci. Like, a little. But he doesn't lean into it. Like, he has good timing with stuff. But he is so scary and terrifying and everything he says has purpose and man I, I will give Gunther all the credit in the world and I will give anyone who's been working with him because basically everything they've done with him from the moment they've stepped up on the main roster has been as as good and as he could have thought. How hard is it? Has, I couldn't know, have ever how, imagined. How hard is it for this to do because we've seen multiple misses not only was he coming up, not only did he come from overseas, okay? So that's number one. You always have that, okay? Sometimes it's hit or miss with this finicky uh, internet wrestling community that we have. Um, so you have that. When he comes up from NXT, he's got a complete name change. Who everyone who finally got familiar with him was known as Walter. And we said, oh my God, this is not going to fit. But you know the one smart thing they did with him? And you mentioned it. They brought up the guys with him. They brought up. Yes. They brought up. Uh, and you uh, know what else? Kaiser and Vinci. Yeah, yeah. Imperium. Uh, they they brought up the Imperial with him because I think he flounders a little bit without them. And the kudos for them to doing this because they've been entertaining. I think they turn or one of them turns. Maybe not. They're just they're flunkies of him and kind of just kind of get thrown around by him and. But, man, you've got some Uso-type talent with these two guys. I'm just – I'm look, I, they're there. And they're there for a reason. would have never thought that Gunther would be as good at, at the sports entertainment part of wrestling. And, and then, right, so he Flip does side. the great backstage segments, the yeah. promos, that stuff. And then he actually has found a way to make everybody work his style of matches, right? He doesn't make him he doesn't go in and like water his style down. Other people raise their game to him. They go into those matches wanting to take a bunch of chops. And I guarantee you that's what this is going to be. This is going to be a match where Miz gets the crap kicked out of him, keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back, and then finally it's too much for him. And we're gonna see him on Monday Night Raw, and he's gonna have a chest that is just red. <laughs> And bruised. I I will mark I I'm pretty sure that's where we're going. And I think that's the right way to do it. Like you try to get Miz the respect, you know, from the fans by just having him put on as good of a match as possible. They've been kind of teasing this with the Miz recently, anyways. Where look at that move the Miz pulled out. He's never done yeah. that before. So I think yeah. man, they built this thing really, really well. Like all these matches. 
have really nice buildup, and then the war games all have incredible yeah. different strands of of build to them. I'm I'm pretty pumped for this show coming up on Saturday, and now the next few days I'll be watching lots of uh of old Survivor series because you know what? There's not really Thanksgiving movies. I've noticed that you've got planes, trains, and automobiles. A good point. But there's not a bunch of like Christmas time. You can watch a bunch of Christmas movies before Christmas. There's <laughs> really good ones. They've got them all over the streaming services. But Thanksgiving, I'm going to watch me some old Survivor series. That's what I want. That's what I want. <laughs> Coop, let's quickly get into a few things from NXT uh, yeah. before we get out of here. So we opened up with a really good match for the Heritage Cup. Noam Dar versus Gable. Really good. I, and they're, it's like a couple months ago they just were – Pulled off the like decided to pull the blinders off of of Gable like we're just gonna let him go all over the place and you know he though exactly and he he didn't beat Gunther for the IC title it reminds me a little bit of LA Knight in that this guy is on all these shows in in really good matches all the time getting mic time getting backstage segment in the last couple months I would say Chad Gable has probably been on our TV. As close to almost anyone on the roster. From Hill to now hot baby face. Yep. Um, Look, this, uh, again, kudos to SmackDown. Kudos to Raw because they were really, they were two good, really wrestling heavy shows. And uh, really, really good. This NXT did not disappoint, disappoint at all. And we opened with this style of match. Um which was super solid. My question to you is, and we've talked about this before, what do you do with a guy like Chad Gable? I know. That's the thing. What do you do? That's the problem is that I think. Because he just came out of a program with Guther, right? I know. And eventually, I do think he is destined to get back into the IC title picture. I really do. Okay. I think he's sort okay. of proven himself. They're just in a, they're in a little bit of a tough spot right now because you've got. You know, between Roman, Gunther, and Rhea, yeah. you know, yeah. you've got a couple of these champions that feel just so. But you can't have them lose right now. Right? I know. And and then what it does is it does hurt a lot of other wrestlers who would be able to be in the mix in those divisions a little bit more. Someone wins the title. Someone loses it. Like, not every championship should just have a two-year reign, you know? Like, it, that would be boring if they all did. You know, and that's not realistic. People get hurt in sports. Things happen all the time. You win, you lose. It's not necessarily you just are dominant after winning forever. So I do feel like if when it's off of Gunther, he can be back in that mix. But I think you you hit the nail right on the head. It's like I love watching him out there every week all the time. I'm sure he's content with the TV time and it's not it's not a bad spot to be in. But he's one of those people that you always go. I think they can do a little more with him, yeah. right? And, it's, and I think it's time, too. I just don't know where. Me, maybe me neither. Maybe he would be a good fit to have a title on NXT. Maybe maybe this title, right? Maybe even like be. this could be. is something where because this match ended in a draw, maybe they have a rematch, right? Him and Noem Dar again yeah. in a few weeks, and then you could do that with him, and he could have this – Heritage Cup, and he could kind of lean into the gimmick of him like being it. an Alpha like Academy, it. right? That like would be this. kind of cool. Um, yeah, they so, kind of teased uh, Omos with um, uh, what? Did he, who was who came out there with with Lash Legend? He kind of gave a little 
I don't know if he caught her or, you know, kind of the Mandy Rose deal. Yes. I, yeah. There's something there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I could buy that booking here after this match. Yeah. They did a storyline where Zaya Lee attacked Lyra Valkyria before the match. And all throughout the show, we weren't sure if, if they were going to be able to have that match. And then they end up having it. It's the main event. It's good. It's solid. A couple things kind of I, I maybe bothered me or I thought could have been done a little bit better. One. Oh, I, I, I got a big one. Uh, uh, elephant in the room. She just lost the night before, right? To, to Becky. Becky. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Like, just it, DQ that. DQ, DQ that, that or have that match in two weeks. Yes. That's literally just have it two weeks from now. And it was but, really, really good. And it was both, and both, like, that's what's so frustrating is that these last few weeks have been great for Zaya. She's looked good. They've built her well. Her kicks look strong. Her offense looks good. And then in back-to-back nights, you have her lose these prominent matches. And now I'm like, I, she got over, but then on the opposite side, what, where are you going with her next? What do you and do I with like, her? Yeah, and I like the gimmick. On the flip side, how much are we buying into Valkyria now? Oh, I, I, man. I mean, dude, we were questioning her a couple of months. Like, what is this gimmick? What What are we doing? Dude, you talk about impressive. I think she's won some people over here. She's she's, she's solid. She's got the like the actual when you watch her as a baby face, there's there is a ton of Becky Lynch in her. Oh, 100. You know, like you watch you know it. And, and, that, and I think that's where they go with this. Yeah. Eventually, it has to be. You talk about a good WrestleMania match would be her and Becky going at it. Yeah. And yeah, I think she's just got she's got something and it's not as flashy. Yeah. Right. So it's some it's. It's one of those things that it's a little bit harder, like when you're drafting. Yeah, when you're, she wouldn't have ever been somebody's top one or two or three or four or five draft pick, but she would be someone in the first round of the draft that goes like 13 that ends up everybody looking back at the draft like, yeah, that was a good pick. You know, like that was someone who, and that's sort of how she is. She's got, she connects with the fans. She cuts good promos. She's a very good wrestler. She shows good fire as a babyface. I like so her right, finisher, right. that Michinoku driver. She's just really good. And, and look, it, what somebody said, uh, somebody said it was the old Stone Cold gimmick, you know, uh, Tuesday night during, you know, the, the match with her. I just think she's been a pleasant surprise because, I again, and I say this because I'm a wrestling fan because I have not connected a lot with foreign wrestlers. Okay, maybe it's because of their accent. I don't know. It's sometimes it's just a promo, right? Well, it's harder to. I was worried with. I was worried about her when she came in NXT. I thought, okay, now we see why Roxy was Roxanne Perez was put on the back burner a little bit because this this gal here can go, man. She can go, Gino. I like everything they're doing with her, and I think she has a big future, and I think it's next year. I, I think her and Becky, I, the match was good. I know Becky was a little injured uh, when they worked the NXT championship. I just think this man, look, to put her in the main event on a wrestling heavy show on Tuesday night and holiday holiday week, I don't care if it was taped or not. Solid, man. Really solid. All throughout the night, we had... The family, Tony <laughs> D and Stacks. Man, I saw yeah. a bunch of my cousins out there. Coop, they were over there hanging out. They're all eating yeah. spaghetti. 
they had this running these these skits throughout the night where we see them at the restaurant, we see all the family, we see them getting paid off by everyone. One guy short though, because those taxes, man, taxes are high inflation. High. You know? Inflation and taxes. This was so funny. And dude, I was dying throughout. I was I was laughing. The girl who with the accent was it's so thick and bad. But but they're just like leaning into it and having fun with it. And then I will say it, it leads to Garza and Carrillo who have had a lot more edge to them recently and a lot more like aggression. It had, it leads to them attacking Tony D and Stax. Yeah, and we're because we, we know they can wrestle. Yeah. They need they need that edge to them. I'm glad you mentioned it that way. They, well, they were the guys that were teased about coming up with Santos. Right, right. Bringing, bringing Gar, uh, like, could we see them show up at the pay-per-view because Help Santos we, beat Carlito, they're really and they're good with, in the ring. They're really that, good. Man. My only thing is had that uh, uh, they they're missing something there, though. My only thing is too. I think they they could be more than just lackeys. Sure. Like I think sure. They have I think they, I think they can win the, the NXT one, Tag Team Championship here. I think they should. I think yeah, they should. The dynamic. I really think they should do that here with them. Um, we have. Let's see other important things from NXT. Yeah, okay, so Briggs. Yeah. Big win for Briggs over Carmelo. Actually, Carmelo and Briggs used to wrestle before they came to NXT against each other. So they've got some uh, some history. I think people forget Briggs can go. Dude, yeah, Briggs is a big man. And he's been sort of in the goofy tag team for a while. I think he's going to turn heel now. I think yeah. he's going to. Um, they, they teased a little thing with him and Tiffany backstage. And that pissed off. Fallon. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's a little drama there with them. I like this because it puts Briggs in the Iron Survivor qual- uh, match. You end up continuing on the kind of weird story with Trick and Carmelo, and it'll and probably we, lead to yeah. Lexus King with Carmelo. Yeah, I agree. And I agree. and they could do which is going to be fun. And they could do it a couple different ways, Coop. They could do Lexus King and Carmelo just have a one-on-one match, or they could both end up qualifying for the Iron Survivor match, and they could be in that match along True. with Trick, you know, and whatever other stories are to be told. So I-, I liked that, and I thought it was good to see Briggs look good. It was good to see uh, Lexus King come out there. He's going to be in the mix. We have uh, next week, Wes Lee has to defeat three other former North American champions in a fatal four-way <laughs> In order to get a match against Dominic. So it's going to be Wesley versus Johnny Gargano, Ooh. Bronson, and Cameron Grimes. Poor Grimes there to oh, take the pin. Oh, poor Grimes. Oh, He's man. there to take the pin, I feel like. Yeah, he's there to be the, uh, the... Oh, man. So Wesley has to roll through these three, right? Yeah, since it's not an elimination match, right? It's just a fatal four-way. I think yeah. they'll have an awesome match. And it just feels like... He gets the chicken cover on Grimes. You know it's coming. Hundred percent. Like Bronson gets the big, the big move on him, and All then the he finishers. sneaks in. Yeah, and he sneaks in, and then Wesley gets out of there like smiling. Love I think it. that's Love right. It. That's the way you do that. That's how you you set that thing up. Doesn't hurt Gargano. Doesn't hurt Bronson. Um, and then what is going on with Chase? You man. <laughs> they had this video that was like a scandal, like a news breaking story. It was awesome. It was so, so well good. done. 
And Andre's so going around, and JC Jane, she knows what's up because she she read the she read the letter. And Tony D and Stax, they had to help him out in some way. And, and we saw the the kids in the student section; they got up and they left. They wouldn't even stay in the audience. <laughs> uh, the lack of support is just not good. Oh man, and it's great. And whatever is going on with this with JC, you've got. I love their. They have the clip yeah. of like Duke walking in, and he's like. You know, trying to shut the media down. Oh yeah. no, nothing. No, no, we don't know what you're talking about. It, it was, man, just funny, really it's good so stuff. Good. It was one of the best parts. Best it was part. like, and you only say one of the best parts because the best part, obviously, was when Von Wagner goes <laughs> to Robbie Stone's house to Robert Stone's, and he brings <laughs> over, he brings over the brownies that are like the cheap gas station brownies. Yes. And oh man, little Debbie's. Yeah, it's like the, the little, not even little Debbie esque. No, and that food, that spaghetti, they've got the most bland looking spaghetti with <laughs> chopped up hot dog bits. That like, and I don't know what they were. The best is like you know Stone's kids. They've got the ponytail and they've got yeah. the suits. But yeah. then I don't know if this what they were when you put them next to Vaughn. They looked like they were Vaughn's kids. I know they did. It was kind of weird. I was like, whoa. I don't know what they're trying or if they noticed this, but they they were they were. I think they were trying to go for like, look, Vaughn's one of the kids. You know, him and the kids are on the same level and. I, so I think what we're gonna get is like a Vaughn makeover from Robbie. I think I think Stone will take him <laughs> shopping, right? Get him a couple suits, talk like show him how to eat some better food. So maybe that's the way we're gonna go for the next little bit. Like we'll get some uh, some vignettes of them for the next little while, like turning him into this guy because I, I these. These were so bad. They were good though. It was one of those things where they're obviously going for. You know, going what they were going for, what they hit, and I was laughing all so throughout. Good. They it's were really entertaining, good. man. That's what you want. Entertainment. One year ago, you and I would have oh, both been, would have both been on record saying Von Wagner is one of the least interesting or like least well, favorite yeah. people. Yeah. We we go back to him running off Kyle O'Reilly. Basically, that was his. He was in the woods. Like, Remember him and Kyle O'Reilly were like. Biking of all in the woods. people letting Von so Wagner weird. do it. That's what that's the the problem you and I both had with it. We, we knew Kyle O'Reilly. Well, we didn't know that. When, we, we we're assuming he was leaving, but to have someone else put him over than this frozen caveman lawyer. From he did. SNL. He did look like, and I think that what hurt him <sighs> the first time we ever saw him, he wasn't presented well. Well, he was filling in. In like a number one contenders match, right? Yeah. For the world, like yeah. it was a big match, and it's like, oh, here's this guy, Von Wagner. He's just going to be in guy. that spot, yeah. and no then they, yeah, with no backstory, and they didn't like run with it very yeah. much. Uh, Eddie Thorpe just got a quick win. Yeah, that match was good though. It was, and he's good. Match, man, it was a good match. He's good, and he's he's got a little different look to him, also. So I thought it was fun because they had some really good segments. But you could tell since this was a tape. A delayed show. I think they had more time to do some of those oh, vignette, yeah. the skits yeah. and stuff, and they were pretty <laughs> funny. The stuff going on yeah, with we didn't have like a Thanksgiving food match that we're normally used. To. Remember those Hollywood candy cane matches? On oh, well, what was the gimmick in TNA? The TNA had the gimmick, right, with the turkey. 
Yeah, with a they, turkey gimmick. And we're not talking about the gobbledygooker either. No, gimmick, no. Right? We're just talking about the just crazy food gimmick that it was just like, what are we doing here? I'm so I am just so thankful we're past that now here. Yeah, we didn't have that. We, we always get to <laughs> trick or treat street fight. You get yeah, to miracle on yeah. 34th street fight. That'll That's be coming. It. Miracle on 34th. That, I that'll, I have a candy cane now. that'll be coming soon. That'll be coming soon. <laughs> but Koopa Loop as we wind down <laughs> the wrestling talk. Um, man, it's big rivalry week in college football. Man, and yeah, NFL yeah. only. Uh, man, we're we're already in week twelve of the NFL. Right. We got three Thanksgiving Day games and a Black Friday game. Are there any games on your radar? Yeah, man, we're uh, we're creeping up on conference championships for college. I, I've been in a, a in a, a kind of a downward spiral with college football, and, and I know you and I after a hot chat, start too. Yeah, and look, you and I have been chatting. We always chat with our with our football bat football bets. I had a pretty good NFL weekend, which is normally not in my wheelhouse. So um, uh, I, I'm going to give out two totals that I like here. One on Thanksgiving Day, a Turkey Day special for you, Gino. Um, the good old rivalry. No, it's not the Redskins and the Cowboys anymore, but still, there's hatred there. There's bad blood. Washington at Dallas. Dallas is minus 12 and a half. I'm staying away from, from the points there. I know this is a high total at 48 and a half, but I like it for several reasons. Number one, the last eight games uh, Washington and Dallas have played, they've averaged 60.7 points a game when they've played each other. I like that. Number two, Washington, the commanders, dead last in the league in defense, in total defense. So Dallas may be able Terrible. to maintain their score here. I like that. Dallas, when they play at home, average around 40 points per game. I like that. Here's the, here's the clinchers for me. The NFC East Division games have gone over 16 of the last 20 in the last three years when the home team is the favorite. And, of course, Dallas is uh, minus 12 and a half. I, I, I just like the over here in that, and I like one more over Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon. I know, again, this is a high total, but hear me out. Buffalo at Philly, 48 and a half. I'm going to take the over. Both teams about 26 points per game averaging on offense. I'm okay. This is what I really like, Gino. Buffalo, a perfect 8 and 0 over the total when they're underdogs of two or more in the last four years. Philly's minus three here. Let me read that again. The Bills are a perfect 8 and 0 on the over. When they're underdogs of two or more in the last four years, and those eight games that they played there, the point averages of those games have been 67 points per game. Another one I like here. Philly has not really been all that well on the road in scoring-wise, and I know they're coming off a short week, but look, Philly games total an average of 44.2 on the road. When they play at home, they average a total of 56.5. This is my clincher. In the last two years, Gino, NFL home teams off a Monday night road game, which we saw Philadelphia on Monday night in Kansas City, those NFL teams are a perfect 8-0 on the over when the total is set at 44 or higher. I'm going over 48.5 Bills Eagles, over 48.5 Commanders Cowboys. Yeah, and you know, even when your Commanders play too, Washington yeah. is ripe for some garbage time if you're down in that game. You, yeah, look, if you it's know, like 36 to, to 10, you know, 41 to, to 3, 
look, there's going to be a couple of points scored there. Indoors in Dallas, I just think there's some the points to be had. You know who leads the league in passing yards? Oh, boy. Sam Howell. Really? Yeah. I, 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 I quizzed more. my guy Eric with that last week. It, I was surprised. I was shocked to see that, too. He has 3,038 yards. He's first. C.J. Stroud is second. Dude, again, as y'all did the NBA last year, and I stalked you guys by, by playing, uh, you know, listening to your your daily lives. The NFL coverage that you guys do, uh, when I get to watch it on YouTube, if I can't watch it live, I always go back and put it on in the background. It's just a breath of fresh air. And I said it with the NBA, and I'm not listening to the same hanky-panky stats. I get different angles. I get different player, uh, you know, props. It's just, uh, it's hard to do. It's hard to win. But you guys put it out there, and you're not trying to push something down someone's throat. That's that's the key, right? We're playing whatever we're playing. We don't have an agenda. We're not forcing a wager on you. There's not. That's what, as as a... just an average better like myself. That's what I appreciate. That's what I appreciate the most. So, well, Coop, on this Thanksgiving Wednesday, as we head into uh, the holiday, I appreciate you, my friend. I, I love you, brother. You it too, has bro. been a blast being friends with you over yeah, the last, man. you know, 10, 15 years, even now. And yeah, yeah. Um, I look forward to talking wrestling with you all the time. You're probably one of the people I interact with the most as far as like sending <laughs> you a message, sending you a yeah. tweet. Did you see this? Did you see that? Yeah. Sending yeah. something to a chat in the chat room. Oh my God, can you believe what they did? Or wow, look at this. Or what are the rumors? And it's in wrestling <laughs> and some things about uh, football or about racing or just about life, man. And uh, it's a blast being friends yeah. with you. Thank you always for all your time, and I'm very thankful to have a friend like you and to have someone who comes on and uh, and helps me out each and every week. I appreciate that, Gino, and uh, don't eat too much. I don't know if you call it stuffing or dressing on the West Coast. What do you prefer? We're we're stuffing, yeah. Stuffing, okay. See, down here south in in in, in the south, we do dressing. What are some so of the things that we can expect on your Thanksgiving table? Well, you know, look, I, I've got the smoked turkey breast. I, I'm a carb guy. So we're going mac and cheese, baked nice. beans, dirty nice. rice, dressing. We've got to have the yeast rolls. We've got to have the pecan pie. Nice. So it's a lot of good Southern hospitality type of Thanksgiving food, man. Beautiful. Yeah, we're pretty pretty straightforward here with your turkey, with your stuffings. Sure. We'll get your, um, you know, you'll get your yams and you'll get your oh, cranberry. Yeah. Your cranberry yeah. sauce, um, the old cranberry you know, nice, sauce. nice rolls and, and like, yeah, very carby <laughs> different ways, lots of different bread. Um, so that's what, that's what it'll be. I, I'm a pretty picky eater myself, but that's oh, normally too. what, what yeah, our, uh, our Thanksgiving will have coop buddy. You have a great week with your family. Everybody you enjoy it, survivor series. Thanks so much for tuning in again. And we will be back here with you each and every week. Make sure to follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. And don't go anywhere, though, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said podcast. Again, a very happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there. Big thank you to Chad for helping us out. Big thank you to Barry for helping us out. Eric's here with us each and every week. Tim Kelly helping us out all the time. All the guests, all the listeners, all of you out there, thanks so much for helping me. This is this is a job that I've been able to do now. Uh, able to pay my bills and help take care of my family because all of you have supported and listened in and I'm so thankful for all of you. I hope we all have an awesome week with your family and friends. Let's make a ton of money in these games and we'll be back in just a few days with plenty more on That's What G Said.